Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 253. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. I'm back. Yes, the rotating door that is May because next week <laughs> is back to just me and Connor. Uh, yep. And then hopefully in the last week of May... Uh... Oh, the first week of June, whatever that takes us to. I, I, yeah. I can't work it out right I now. Have, I don't have anything planned, but yeah, I, I feel like me and Connor tag uh, in and out more than the Lucha Bros. Well, yeah, it's just it's been a it's been, it's been a weird month. I'm not used to having so many Saturdays be free. Like we've been yeah. doing recordings on Saturdays for so many long, and it's just yeah. for whatever reason this month it's been the weird month where we're recording mm-hmm. on Thursdays or Fridays for a while, but. Uh, yeah, it's a DC Comics podcast. We talk about DC Comics. We uh, get together. We discuss all the books we've read, and it was actually quite a hefty amount this week, uh, both in book number, but more importantly in page number. Uh, more on that in a second. But this is the list of books that we'll be talking about today. So coming up, we have DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian Superhero Celebration issue one, which both myself and Matt uh, did find time to read. That was a hundred mm-hmm. pages, which is why it felt like such yeah. a heavy week. Yeah, and I felt like we kind of needed to just because of the, uh, you know, A, there's so many characters that we do like, you know, so I made extra effort to, to get it in. That's right, the 100 page. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, more than anything is we don't want to not support the sentiment that the book exists for. So. Yeah, that, and that that too. But like, you're going to dangle Emmy Queen and Connor Hawk and Damien and all these, Cassandra Kane, like. I just, I, I can't not read it. And so I, I messaged Pete earlier in the week going, hey, I think I'm going to make time for this, even if it kills me. Um, <laughs> and, and it almost did. So, uh, yeah. Should so we, read and drive, that's what I'm saying. So we have that. Uh, we also have uh, Batman the Detective Issue 2. We got Superman 31, Wonder Woman 772, Justice League The Last Raid Issue 1. Uh, no affiliation with The Undertaker as far as I know. Uh, Future State Gotham Issue 1. Batman Urban Legends issue 3, and then rounded out with uh, Rorschach issue 8, which is in many ways still the most anticipated book I had this week, just because the, uh, it's always always yeah. a good discussion. So uh, that's what's coming up on the show this week. Now, it is worth mentioning, because Joker issue uh, 3 came out this yeah. week, uh, and I hadn't read issue 2 because they put the price up without yeah. really any justification. And, uh, and keep in mind, just before anyone corrects anything, I'm reading it digitally. There's no car stock covers digitally. <laughs> so, yeah. worth mentioning. However, a patron is actually now uh, making me read it. So, uh, <laughs> it will be returning. It would have made sense to read issue two this week uh, since the new issue was out. But, obviously, this week's list of books was so high. So, I'll, yeah. I'll do that next week. Uh, yeah. But I wanted to mention that since the new issue was out this week. Mm, uh, gotcha. So, very cool. Uh, so, there you go. That is a... Uh, that is the plan for the show. Huh? Uh, there's no news this week, which is actually kind of merciful given how many books we've got to talk about. But we do have one segment to do before books. No! Come on, Matt. It is a time-honored tradition now. For a whole month, we've been I doing know. Comixology Top 10s. Time-honored tradition for a whole month. <laughs> uh, yeah, but when we get to episode 500 and it's been 250 episodes, it's go- it is going to be a time-honored tradition and the, the legions. And and then keep it with the traditions. I'm going to complain about it for every week. <laughs> uh, I would expect no less. So, yes, yeah, so this is just looking at Comixology's top 10 at the time of recording, uh, which for the record this week is on is in Friday night, uh, well, Friday night UK time, Friday afternoon Pacific time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
Uh, number one is a Marvel book. X Factor issue nine uh, is number is one. That, is that the last one? Because I, I saw a lot of hubbub about it being Marvel canceled, meaning it's going to relaunch or something. Oh, I have, different. I, have, I have no idea. If issue nine is the last gotcha. one, then issue nine is the last one. I, mm. I don't know. Uh, it, the, the first thing in the description just says best concert ever, which doesn't necessarily indicate finale to me, but, you know. No. Uh, I don't know what that book's playing at. Uh, number two is also technically a Marvel book, although again, I don't really count Star Wars as Marvel in the in the sense that it's uh, it, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it, its own imprint, right? Like, yeah, it, it's selling because it's Star Wars, not because it's Marvel. Uh, but that's issue thirteen of that. Uh, three is also a Marvel book with X Corp, issue one. So I guess there's a new mm-hmm. X Men book uh, this week. Uh, then we finally hit some DC. What do you think the highest selling DC book, at least as of right now, on Comicsology is? Uh, uh, from last week, right? Yeah, from from these books, yeah. Mm. Hmm. It's not a traditional Batman book, so I'm not gonna. I can't go with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could go with Batman Detective. Or I'm I'm gonna take a shot and go Rorschach because it's Tom King. It's born as people people like quality. You're right, it's Rorschach. That's your right. Boom. That's the highest selling, at least as of right now, on Comicsology. Uh, and uh, you'll be also pleased to know that number five is Superman 31. Uh, hey. And then number six is Batman the Detective issue two. Uh, so a nice little trio of DC books there. And then we're back to Marvel with Guardians of the Galaxy issue 14. Back to DC then with Wonder Woman issue 772. Uh, and then back to Marvel for 9 and 10 with Children of the Atom issue 3 and Fantastic Four issue 32. So, uh, there's uh, four DC books. It's not quite an even split, but it's close enough. Uh, in the in the scheme of things, yeah. So, I'm pleased to see Rorschach still doing well. Yeah, turn along. Some some might call it uh, Tom King's masterpiece. Uh, in fact, some I mean me. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. You you <laughs> mentioning yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, uh, not far beyond the top ten. Joker and Justice League: Last Rider are both kind of there. Um, um, I'm I'm kind of pleased to see Joker not in the top ten. Meaning, like maybe they'll realize we shouldn't over value joker and, and just do cardstock price you know yeah i it's funny because obviously it's still fairly well selling but given that it is joker you would expect to maybe see it higher than it is so mm-hmm. m- maybe it has had an impact right. and that, that maybe uh, they have noticed which would be nice because I, I don't see the festival of heroes which that, that's understandable because that's a big commitment you know um or urban legends and those are both heftier prices too yeah, so, Festival of Heroes is number 15 right now, which isn't too bad. Hey. It's not too yeah. bad. Uh, Future State Gotham's another couple of entries down, so it's, it's not a, a bad showing for, for those books. Uh, I'll just yeah. say I'm, I'm happy that that Star Wars uh, trade sale ended because the last two mm-hmm. weeks were really hard to, to read because it was just all these Star Wars trades. All Star Wars books. Just getting in the oh, way of uh, actually dealing with stuff. Um but yeah, there you go. There's, there's your, your comic sellers, your top 10 for the week. Since we get no real sales figures, this is yeah. what we go on. So, cool. But we will. I will not uh, stretch out this week because we have a lot of books to get through uh, and a lot of stories within said books to get to. So, mm-hmm. without further ado, we will kick off with the big one. We'll kick off with DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian Superhero Celebration Issue 1. Obviously, there's a whole host of creators yes. throughout, which we'll get to. Um, I mean, I suppose I could just read the table of contents if people want to. Yeah, because I, I do like that they do this now, too. Yeah. This is a fairly, I want to say it started with, like, action or detective, those big 
oversized issues. It may um, have it may have even been later. I don't know if it started with yeah. them because I remember I, I remember it kind of being absent for a bit and then okay. it kind of kicked in somewhere, but I, I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, well, I just remember it, it's fairly recent because they used to get these big anthologies without these. Um, so yeah, so I like that they have on there. And I also like that on this one, um, it didn't give away kind of who the story was about. So no. I got to get some surprises in here, you know. Uh, outside of masks, which I had heard, as I didn't read this right away on Tuesday, um, but I, I had heard some things about that that the internet was very excited about. We'll talk about it when we get there. But so outside of knowing that was the Ram V uh, story no, I mean, and who who yeah. it featured when it ties into, you know, but the rest of them were all very nice surprises. Yeah, there was only one where the character names are actually in the title, so otherwise yeah. it's it's fairly uh, thingy. Yeah. So. The first story is called Sounds by Mariko Tamaki with art by Marcus Toe. Mm-hmm. Then there's Dress Code. Uh, well, I'm assuming these are vertical lists. Sometimes they can be weird with their yeah. order. But, uh, Dress Code by Min Lee and art by Trung Lee Wynn. And then Hawking Kong, that's the one that's kind of obvious who it's about, uh, yeah. by Greg Pak and Sumit Kumar on art. Uh, Special Delivery by Anise Adam and Zari with art by Sam uh, Bajri. So I saw that name and I thought it was Aziz and Zari. And I got very excited. So I was like, <laughs> oh, man, I didn't realize he was writing comics. And I was like, oh, no, that that's a different name completely. It's very different. Uh, but yeah, but just at the quick glance when I was looking at this table of contents, I was like, his middle name's Adam? That's new to me. Oh, uh, yeah, not Aziz. No. Uh, Masks by Ram V, uh, art by Audrey Mock. Uh, What's in the Box by Dustin Wynn, both writing and art. Uh, mm-hmm. uh Family Dinner by Alyssa Wong with art by Sean Chen. And then we have uh, Kawaii Calamity. Am I saying that right? Is that Kawaii? Is that how you Kawaii, say that? Yeah. Kawaii, yeah. Uh, so um, imagine, you know, when uh, back when Omega was in New Japan and you'd hear the girls yelling Kenny mm-hmm. with the with the show. That's how I always, you know, hear Kawaii. You know, it goes real high up. Um, imagine you have to try. On the subject of pronunciations with Kenny Omega, I did kind of yeah. pop uh, last week when he pronounced gold as Gweld. Look yeah. at all the Gweld. Um, He's doing so much to make me hate him. <laughs> so I'm good. already not his biggest. Like I respect his talent, but as a character, I don't like him. But I, that's the point. So, yeah. Um, anyways, Kawaii. Yes. Uh, there you get Festival of Heroes by Amy Chu with Marcio Takara on the art. And then Perceptible by Pornsack Pichet Shoto or Pichet Shoti. Uh, yeah. I'm butchering that it. one. I apologize. Yeah. Um, That's a tough name, I think, for anybody. I, we'd have to hear it, I think. Yeah, I, I need to know if it's yeah. soft or hard, chiz and shiz, yeah. <laughs> you know, before I can Oof. even attempt. Uh, yeah. And Alexandri uh, Tefengi on the art. And yeah. that may be slightly wrong, but I feel fairly confident. So yeah. uh, I, I went for it. And then we got The Monkey Prince Hates Superheroes by Jin Lin Yang with art by Bernard Chang. Uh, which is the new Superman team uh, yeah, together. I nice. cannot wait to talk about that story because it. You know, talking about new Superman, that felt like an extension. Thing. Yeah, there's actually that one and another one, the Ram V one, mm-hmm. are both uh-huh. say at the end to be continued in some form yes. later in the year. Uh, obviously, Ram V's is pretty clearly just going to be in Catwoman, which yes. is, I mean, it even says as much, I think, but it's, you know, yeah. that's, that's fine. That makes sense. Uh, the Monkey Prince one, I don't know where that's popping up later. Maybe yeah. So we'll we'll see. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so 
let's get into it. Uh, the first story sounds is a Cassandra Kane story, mm-hmm. and it uh, largely revolves around you know one of her core core traits, which is the idea that she was trained and learned the language of martial arts and physical combat and body language long before she learned words. And she hasn't. She, I mean, she has one sentence the entire story, which mm-hmm. is right at the very end. It's all about her not communicating back to Oracle as Oracle's telling her that there's, uh, there's this thing to go do, and she she rushes off to go help. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks a lot about, and this is in her narration, of course, uh, not the uh, any speech, but talks a lot about the oh how this guy's meant to look like a civilian, but his body language, the way he's standing, it tells a story. It's basically screaming to her who he is and what he can do, um, and it's been able to listen for that rather than words that makes her so good at what she does mm-hmm. so it was really just a nice examination of you know why Cass is so good as Batgirl yeah uh, uh Tamaki's shown that she has a real real good grasp on I was gonna say on on the Gotham characters but now that I think about it almost every character that, that Tamaki's written I think she shows you know I might not like the plot and where it goes in some of them mm-hmm. but it's never character like she just gets these characters so, uh, and Cass is no different. Like, I de- I desperately want Cass to show up in Detective Comics now. Yeah, Joe, I think what's uh, fun about this story is that it actually works both in current continuity, but also in the, the actual 2000s mm-hmm. Batgirl. Because, I mean, Babs is back as Oracle now, and I don't think there's anything to tell us if this is set back in the original Batgirl days. Because I'd say right. how quiet she is feels more like 2000s Batgirl. Yeah, but, yeah, but also she's practicing words, so yeah, you know, there's uh, that, you know, from from what we saw in in uh, Tynan's tech, you know, with her her trying to do it because the way in the beginning she's framing it as muscle control, which is how she understands language, right? Like, you know, your mouth has to form the letters, and the mouth, you know, is a you know, a, a blend of all these different muscles. I, but you're right, it could be. Like, they leave it pretty open, but given that Tamaki's writing current, you know, I'm, I'm going to edge it more t- towards modern. Yeah, I think um, it's either what you want it to be. And, yeah. You know, I, I think that works. And I kind of like the idea that it is current, but it actually still kind of mm-hmm. harkens back to those days. Because yeah. there's no other back character shop. It's just Oracle and Cass's mm-hmm. Batgirl, which is very, yeah. you know, of that time. Uh, so she saves this guy, uh, who she clearly is somewhat attracted to, mm-hmm. uh, but can't find a way to say anything. He will ask her for, for Boba. Banana Boba. Apparently Banana Boba is the best. Uh, a lot of, a lot of bees. I don't know what, I don't know what a Boba is, so, but. So Boba is this tea that I think it's Vietnamese. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but they're like little tapioca pellets that are in the tea and they're sweet. I don't like it. It's got a weird, like a weird texture, okay. you know. So they're kind of globby. But you basically make milk tea in there, in there. Uh, but apparently, according to this guy, banana boba is the best. Uh, and that's just that line cracked me up. School of, with, with cast, with you know, looking at words and and trying to make all, you know, the you know the, the muscles make the sounds with the air, just hitting it with all those bees, mm-hmm. you know, and all the alliteration. I thought that added a nice little twist. Yeah, because I think earlier in the story she's talking about how words are formed with air, but vowels yeah. are a certain kind of air. But then to right. make s's and t's, you have yeah. to like, use your lips and your tongue to. Yeah, it was just a, it was like a really in depth yeah. description of how you form words, but it's just right. 
the, the way she thinks about it because right. she learned muscles first. Exactly. And so Where, I like that. Uh, yeah. You know, whereas for us, like, other than maybe walking, one of the first things you learn to do is start to form words and yeah. communicate, you know? So, right. Right. Uh, yeah. That's just super interesting. But she, he, he invites her, which is a bold move to ask, you know, the superhero who just saved you for, <laughs> for a drink. Yeah. But uh, she goes home, takes off her, her bat outfit, and intentionally runs into him uh, at mm-hmm. the at the, the, the boba spot, yeah, the boba shop. And uh, he forgets to grab a straw. She runs out after and gives him one. And you think she's not going to say anything. And she just says, you're welcome and walks away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's delightful. I, th- I will say they are here. Um, I think the faces aren't to my taste, but for the most part, it's not a big deal mm-hmm. because, yeah. uh, but, you know, Cass has like a full face mask. So yeah. It's, it's only when we're really emphasizing the human faces that I'm not super into the art as much. But mm-hmm. uh, the but the I think the actual her and the suit and the the flow of all that stuff looks really good. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, because the faces are a little bit void of expression. Like they're very basic. You know, like um, Barbara in hers here. It's just a it's a concerned face, but it's nothing yeah. major. Uh, and then with with Cass, it's kind of bare. Although you get the her expression across, so. But you know, I, I I'm more with you on that side. It, it feels very manga, you know, where it's kind of simple, and that's how and, it, you know. You know, to be fair, I get why in a book celebrating Asian superheroes, yeah. there's going to be some manga inspired art. It's just not yeah, to my taste too. as much. Exactly. So. It's not. I wouldn't say it's bad. Like the art's still good. It's. Yeah. Um, I think the colors the are good. The colors. Yeah. yeah. The color, the colors are good. Yeah. So, um, but no, it's, it's very enjoyable. It's I, I I want Cass to pop up in Detective, which I know is is asking a lot because what that book's doing is, you know, Bruce doing, you know, his thing right now with zombies and whatnot. But <laughs> I throw in the backup, you know. That's a casual uh, thing. We're very good at Green Lantern story, so I'm just going to actually because I I mean I, I I don't assume you listen to the episode yeah. you're not on, so I'm just going to yes. uh, throw out. Uh, I, I love Green Lantern issue too, by the way. So I'm on oh, board. Good. I'm on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a nice change of pace. I am a little bit worried it's going to start uh, airing into the future state stuff that we didn't enjoy, um, just because of the the choices that they made to to split up the lanterns the way they're doing. Mm-hmm. But the lore that they're playing with, I I just love. I'm not too like, worried because at least now there'll be context for any yeah. of that that comes up. The problem with the future yeah. state book was just that it. Didn't exp- it was just a fight that with lots yeah. of meaningless, you know, dialogue. Yeah, you know, from a context it could be, but still, it, that wasn't Green Lantern. You know, I mean, this is still very much, you know, the way that they split it up with you have guys that are on these planets and then the other ones that are going off on like a almost Star Trek style. Yeah. Right? Just, just in case you've not read the last issue of Green Lantern yet, no. I'm about to spoil something in it. So just in yep, case you yep, use yep. timestamps to skip over the books you've not read yet. I'm about uh-huh. to drop a huge spoiler for Green Lantern issue two. Um, uh-huh. See when the page turned and like the power battery just exploded, it was a mm-hmm. legit oh shit moment. Yeah, I I, I was yeah, I did yeah. not see it coming. So and, and then the fallout of that, um, major. That's a that's a, a character that I enjoy. Yeah, we seem to have like an actual death. I mean, we'll see how yeah. they play it next time. But it, yeah, they very much look dead. Yeah. Uh, so into this show, so rough times. 
Yeah, so yeah, we have this, uh, so I'm assuming, because I didn't read, the, I've not been reading these young adult graphic novels yeah. that they've been putting out, so yeah. I'm assuming this is this character that they've introduced in there. Yeah, so they're, um, at the end of this uh, book, they have, like, character profiles, which I thought oh. was pretty cool. Oh, neat, yeah. And so that that's where I saw this character pop up, um, and, and it very much draws his power from his love of his grandma, that's where he gets his will from, so to see that play out over this, you know, short story, it's three pages. Um, yeah, it's a very very short story. It, it, it drove it it drove it home, and then when I read that little blurb in the back, it pulled it together. So yeah, it's um, it's got this is the dress code story by Min Lee. It's uh, mm-hmm. basically in the fight with the oh, I forgot his name. It, it looks like Arkello. It looks like Arkello, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yellow Lantern, and he calls uh, this kid's Green Lantern outfit a dress because it's got mm-hmm. the yeah the, the front and the back. Uh, right. I don't even know what you call them on their own but um yeah. it's like a traditional you know asian attire and yeah it's, it's not, i think it, it's forgive my pronunciation i think it's an ao dai which i'm gonna look this up to see what part it's from yeah go for uh, it but it flashes know. back to when someone said this when he was when you know he was younger with his grandmother yeah. in a restaurant and he you know, he made him feel uncomfortable and his grandmother explains that you know, at first I was told to blend in, but I'd rather stand out and be an individual and be who I am. And it's just kind of like, it cuts back to the fight, and, uh, you know, he just says, thanks, I made it myself. But because of all, all Green Lanterns make their outfit themselves, it's kind of, yeah. the, kind of the thing. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it, for, for being only three pages, it's got a really simple point to make, and it makes a simple point, and it's... You know, I think it's actually fairly successful in telling a little story in three pages, which yeah. I don't think most three-page stories can actually pull off. No, because so. yeah, because it, it very much was the spirit of, you know, this book coming out, you know, with all of the, you know, in- increasing harassment of Asian Americans. And so just to tell the story of, of someone being proud of that they're different, that, you know, this is their culture they come from, and, you know... Uh, I thought that was really cool, and and like you said, it's in a three-page story. It gets to it, it drives that point, and you know I really feel where the Screen Lantern is coming from. But uh, it's pronounced apparently Alzai, and it's Vietnamese. So, Alzai, okay. Yeah, but yeah, and so I did like that. Just the whole uh, help me stand out from the crowd instead of blending in, um, and just the whole bullying actions. Right, we see Arkelo mimicking what the bully said to the younger when he was younger you know but yeah i, I like that story a lot yeah yeah i was having so much to add about it it's really simple yeah. and straightforward but i guess mm-hmm. it's point across um so there we've gone to the the hawk and uh, kong story which mm-hmm. is connor hawk uh running in now i'm sure matt may have got excited for a second thinking it was going to be connor hawk versus <laughs> king kong but, no, uh, but I'm just as excited because I <laughs> miss this character so much. Yes, uh, uh, new Superman. Uh, it's been a while. Makes an appearance, and yeah. Connor Hawk is basically kind of pissed because New Superman is doing a lot of the saving, stealing a lot of the glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, taking care. Of it. And Connor Hawk was out grabbing food uh, for a family dinner, uh, and it ends up getting destroyed and all the all the chaos. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a big, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big mech dragon as well. That uh, yeah, it's super cool. I miss Greg Pak writing superhero stuff. Like I know, I know he's working on his own stuff, but like I miss him over here in DC, doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's the one that introduced Keenan 
back before uh, Rebirth started because there was that one issue that drove up in sales. I think it was like Superman 50 that uh, that introduced. So it was, you know, cool that he's coming back and, and working on that character. Um, Did he do that shit, Superman? Yeah, so it wasn't new Superman yet. It was, they'd introduced the idea that there was another Superman in China. No, I mean, because he, he, he had a run on action. I'm saying, did he do an issue of Superman? Because you said Superman. Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe it was action. Okay, that's what, that's, that's what I'm clarifying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember. But I think Greg Pack, let me... Uh, I could be talking out of turn. Yeah, because he had like a, I don't know, it was like three trades worth of a run on action comics. Yeah. And New 52. Yeah. But no, so seeing him here and just the counter with Connor Hawk, I just, they play off of each other so well. Uh, I recently started reading Kevin Smith's Green Arrow, um, just because it's been in my blind spot. It's very Kevin Smith, and I can't read more than a couple pages at a time because I feel like Connor reading Bendis. Like, it's just a lot. <laughs> however, however, he has the voices down, but it's just a lot. But seeing Connor there and then here, it's uh, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, and so the, the kimchi gets uh destroyed and keenan says that it's like a, a chinese dish which i'm looking for the name of it uh pow i'm probably saying all these wrong pow kai um and so you know connor's upset shows up to a family dinner you know empty-handed and then there's a ring at the doorbell and it's keenan with uh he flew to china to get the pow kai even though that's not what it was but it's, yes. it's the thought that counts yeah uh, and he, just the he replaced it, it with something he likes. Yeah. Yeah. He replaced well, it with something Well, because that's he what he, yeah, it's what he knew, right? He thought the kimchi was this other dish. So he goes and gets it. And then Connor is standing in the door going, okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> and his mom and aunt are like, no, wait, like, invite him in. You know, he did something nice. And uh, yeah, just, um, it made me realize reading this. And then later when we get to the Red Arrow story that, when you look at Green Arrow supporting cast, it's very multicultural. You know, yeah, you have Connor Hawk, you have Emmy, right? And then you have, and those are direct relatives to Ollie. You have Roy Harper and his background. I don't know if it's still canon. He was raised by Native Americans, right? Uh, and then he hooked up with, with Cheshire and back before Rebirth, they had a kid, you know? And it's just you think about how, like, up until New 52, Green Arrow was really inclusive. And it fit that character so well. Um, and you kind of look now, and I'm glad that this book came out when it did, because it reminded me of that. Hmm. Well, I think that's a good yeah. point. Um, yeah. It, it, maybe my favorite art of the book so far, I would say. Yep. That's, that's I mean, uh, it's it's Kumar. I mean, we've really yeah. enjoyed his work thus far. Um, you know, from Mad Bat and... And now, how was the other book that you recently worked on? That we were fans of it oh. was uh, jeez, I don't know. It was in one of the <laughs> anthologies, but it's it's been solid. Does the action really well here? And then, like, I'm not a, so much a fan of some of the faces, right? We we've said that about, but mm-hmm. here the exaggeration works. So like when when the kimchi gets destroyed, and and Connor has this big hanging jaw, it's almost grotesque. But it still works because that his whole thing was to get this kimchi back to home for dinner. 
So yeah, it gets a little bit cartoony in, in parts, but it still works. I mean, that's my only real gripe with the art. Yeah, there's uh, a pen up next by Jay mm-hmm. Lee uh, mm-hmm. of Raz Talia uh, and Batman too. Yeah. Uh, uh, which is very nice. Uh, and then we're on to the Damien story, which is special delivery. Yeah. And uh, this is Bruce, you know, saying he's got emails to do. He's going to, he'll deal with the case of hand. There's this people taking out piece of delivery guys in Gotham mm-hmm. uh, and they all come from one place. But Damien, not wanting to wait to act, uh, decides to investigate on his own. Mm-hmm. And, and does the whole thing where, you know, there's a, there's a panel in here where he's like, I carry my mother's ruthlessness, my the cruel ambition of my grandfather, and even the compassion of my adopted brothers and sisters. And it sort of shows you all the different mm-hmm. aspects that go into the making of his character. Uh, it turns out, I actually kind of, this made me laugh, actually, that, uh, uh-huh. they, so the League of Assassins have been running this piece of place, and they wanted to kill all the delivery drivers, and they were going to poison them, but their shipment of poison got delayed, uh-huh. so they just came up with a different plan to uh-huh. start murdering them. That really made me Defin- laugh for some reason. Definitely not what I was expecting, right? No. Like, not not the pizza. So that was a nice little twist. I also like the the payoff for you know, where where Damien's talking about you know he carries his mother's ruthlessness and all that, and says you know I'm more vicious than my mother, more cruel than my grandfather more cunning than my brothers and sisters, and of course, smarter than my father. And I was like, that's Damien. Like, that's... Of course, he has to be like, yes, I'm proud of who I am, but I am better than them. Yeah, you know? it's and pretty like solid. I, I, actually, I'd probably update this for saying this is now my best favorite art of the, the book so far, but... Oh, wow. I, I think... Um, what, what's funny about, about an anthology like this is that so, so many of the stories end up being just kind of like here's who this character is, because that's mm-hmm. what you can do in, you know, five pages, whatever it may right. be. And I think for the Green Lantern story, because we've not really encountered that character, it was a very interesting, it was like, oh, because we're discovering who this character is, and it is actually a very good snapshot to get a point across of who they are, what's important to them, and all that. With Damien, it's a little bit less effective, because it's like, well, we know Damien. <laughs> we know Damien very right. well. It's more just reaffirming who he is. Um, So... It's almost, it feels less important as a story, but it's well told in what it's doing, so. Yeah, I mean, in, in an anthology, you kind of need these smaller ones, right? Like, that just come in and allow us to enjoy that character, you know? Yeah. So, then we go on to uh, the Ram V story uh, with Audrey Mocha and Art. This is the... Uh, the, well, the, the new Cheshire, basically. Or the, yeah, you know, so... Uh, in help me figure this out. So we saw Cheshire Cat in Future State, right? And it was mm-hmm. a big like, who is this? Like, because Ramvi was was like really going out of their way to point out that there was a character called Cheshire Cat. Uh, and then he, had, I think he had mentioned like on Twitter, we know who this character is, um, and you can put it together. So just the fact that there was this mystery on who Cheshire Cat is. And it was staring me in the face the whole time. However, who it ends up being, there's so many more questions. Um, and I, I love him for this. This is the type of stuff why I love DC continuity. You know, like, just to, to see someone come in and, and go, oh, well, this character was gone, but how can I bring them back? And why are they important to the story? And, like, 
just how this character fits in with Catwoman. It, I love it. Yeah. Uh, it being kind of a crossover between Cheshire and Catwoman is an interesting touch because obviously mm-hmm. Cheshire is a cat. So uh, right. you, you have kind of a, a thematic connection there. It's funny because the start of this reminded me a lot, bizarrely, of the Super Mario Brothers movie because you know, <laughs> Cheshire leaves her you know, to, you know, to be an orphan uh, on a doorstep. Right. But just it gave me vibes of that. Yeah. Uh, but no, we see her. She's one of the alley kids uh, in oh. Alley Town, and she's under Catwoman's sort of, you know, uh, tutelage. Tutelage, there you go. That's a good word. Yeah. Uh, and but she's got a mask now. She's she's got got herself a Cheshire mask, and mm-hmm. she goes after some bad guys, some thugs on her own, and beats them up. Uh, kind of as an amateur vigilante, and mm-hmm. seems very proud of that. Catwoman shows up to help though. Um, yeah. And you know, ultimately, they end up on the rooftop at the end, sort of bonding and. Uh, you know, I actually, I really love where Selena says, well, I've got a friend who would probably say this. I love that the speech bubble has bat ears when she's sort of yeah. doing the Batman voice. I thought that was a really, really nice, mm-hmm. because it wouldn't work in other contexts. I mean, I suppose, uh-huh. does anyone ever do a bat impression if it's not meant to be funny? But she is making fun of him, kind of, here. Yeah. She's mocking she's, him a little bit. To me, I read that in the Christian Bale voice. Right, that's what those pointy ears mean, you know. Um, yeah, and it, oh man, it just—I never thought I would love Catwoman as much as I do now. It's just one of those times where, in the right hands, the the characters just really come alive. It's—it's it's what we've also said about like Tom Taylor doing Red Hood, right? We're like, I yeah. can't believe Taylor's done this. And not that like Catwoman and Red Hood are on the same, but I've been kind of agnostic towards Selena. Like, she's fine, you know, uh, from the stuff I read her in, but. Here, just like her turning and basically breaking the fourth wall, right? We know she's looking at at Cheshire Cat or shoes, and but she's looking at us too, you know, breaking that fourth wall during the Batman voice. Um, and and yeah, in case you had any mystery of it, they put the ears on the speech bubble, you know, yeah. in case you couldn't put it together. It's real nice. So so give me talk about who shoes really is. Gone. Yeah. Well? So. So, so back before Flashpoint, um, Roy Harper and, and Cheshire were, you know, they had hooked up and had a kid. And Cheshire, being the terrible assassin she is, left this baby with Roy Harper. So he was single dad superhero. And it was one of his defining characteristics for the longest time. And then in, a, I want to say, mid-2000s in Cry for Justice... Prometheus blows up a big chunk of Star City. And Leon, who is the daughter of Cheshire and Ray Harper, is caught in the blast and she dies. And it and it leads to, you know, Roy Harper going back in and falling back in with his demons, with drug abuse and all of this. And it was something that had really rocked the character. Uh yet now Ramvi's coming in and retconning it that it seems like somehow Leanna survived and she's been raised in Alleytown. And now she's one of Selena's orphans. She goes by the name Shoes. So do we think that Selena knows who she is? Uh, I mean, there's so many questions. Does this mean that does Cheshire know she's still around? You know, how is this going to play in with Roy Harper? Because we know that Williamson has something with him planned from Infinite Frontier, you know. Um, yeah, it's just, just a whole bunch of uh, of stuff, which people might say that this is kind of cheap because, you know, she had died and 
that was the thing that had pushed Roy Harper to be, you know, part of his story. And you wouldn't say that she was fridged because the death really meant like it, it really was this. It wasn't just her shock value. It was this big beat. Um, so to kind of undo that and not put her here. And it's I, just on, it's that, real, on that point, yeah. the dream she has, because you know, the flashback mm-hmm. is it where is, is she, yeah. sa- she talks about it like it's a dream. Yeah. When Cheshire like picks her up, it's not it's not like she's dropping her off as a baby. She 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 finds yeah. her unconscious and there's like smoke around, and right. then she drops her off as an orphan uh, when she's already you know whatever age she is here right. in this flashback. Right. It's hard to tell. Maybe I don't know six, maybe five. Uh, yeah, I uh, would say like you know not a toddler, but not like maybe like kindergarten age, right? Six, five, six. Yeah. Um. So. But yeah, so like this dream is like, is this the explosion? You know, like, so yeah, like, because she says goodbye, Lotus, be safe. So like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll probably get to stuff like that down the line. I don't think it's going to be a concern super quick, mainly yeah. because I feel like they're going to want to build her as her own character. Now that mm-hmm. she's old enough to actually have her mm-hmm. own sort of, you know, journey yeah. and process and all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Catwoman's advice at the end is, you know, sometimes these masks just let us be who we actually are, rather than yeah. hiding who we are. Um, and that's kind of interesting. Now, don't get me wrong, it would be a really weird missed opportunity if at some point down the line there's not some sort of reunion or discovery yeah. between the, the characters. Uh, yeah. I would say that Cheshire definitely knows. Uh, okay, so there, there we go, because I missed that. Like, Not that I missed it, but like, I just heard dropping her off that way. I didn't connect it because yeah. cramming a hundred page plus everything else, you know, you tend to read. I mean, ass- assuming we can take this dream as fact, which uh, right yeah. now I have no reason not to. Um, right. It does seem like she knew she was all she survived and for whatever reason, didn't give her back to, to Roy. Didn't see that right. as a, as the right path and right. did this instead. Um, so there's a lot of stuff in there to, to explore at some point or unpack at some point. And then maybe that'll be an infinite frontier. Maybe maybe that's where it'll all happen. But yeah, um, it seems like here she's going to be a primary supporting character in Catwoman, um, which it hasn't even really done. I mean, is she. I mean, maybe has she been in the main book yet? I mean, I know she's obviously in the future state stuff with the mask, yeah. but uh-huh. shoes has not been like super prominent in the main book as no. of yet. I if if I remember right, it's only really she's been mentioned. Yeah, like there's a character named Shoes, and that's why when people are asking about Treasure Cat. I, I just remember him on Twitter saying, this is a character that we're kind of familiar with, but, you know. So. Yeah, like, I think she's around, maybe, when we first get introduced to all the kids, she's, like, around in some yeah. of those scenes, but I, I don't remember yeah. her having, like, a prominent just, story. Just the idea, almost, of her, like, I know this is not Selena's Robin, right? But just the idea that she, she's almost picked up this from Bruce, like, gathering these souls to help them along their way. And it just happens to be, you know, the, the, the daughter of Roy Harper and, uh, Cheshire or treasure, however we're pronouncing it. I go uh, back and forth, but yeah. Um, I just think that's really cool. Like it's, it's just, it builds that interconnectivity that I love in comics, you know, like you don't have to read everything, but again, just the fact like now this connects the green arrow worlds and, the Batman world, and it's just like it's this big community of heroes. Uh, you know, it's I, man, Ramvi's killing it. <laughs> yeah. Swamp Thing, Catwoman, you know, just 
still waiting for my Savage Shores. So those are the it's still delayed for whatever reason. Yeah, been a month and a half. Should have no. ordered it on Amazon. No, that's just neat. I, and I really do appreciate there's a couple of stories in here that actually have some uh, mm -hmm. knock-on effect for things going forward. Yeah. And this gives us something to be excited about. It's not just a standalone story. It's just got some relevance uh, in the larger scheme of things. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe she will kind of become a Robin in a weird way. This will be her version of whatever that is. Um, mm -hmm. So, still a cat, though. They couldn't think of like a sub-category of no. uh no. Oh, okay. You don't want to call them your, her kittens, but you could. I suppose you could. Maybe yeah. maybe just take a take a page out of the, the Leo DiCaprio uh, page and call them the Pussy Squad. Oh boy. No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Yeah, nah, nah, probably not. Probably, <laughs> probably for the best. Yes. If anyone's not aware of what I'm referencing here, this is a thing. Go go look up Leo yeah. DiCaprio and I, I think uh, Toby Maguire and some others were in a group that was. Wrestling had the click. Hollywood had yeah. the pussy squad. I, yeah, and and you, you know if Molly Bloom can be believed from from Molly's game, they weren't exactly the nicest. Mm. So uh, kind of like the click. <laughs> what do you think about it? Yes. Uh, so yeah. uh, no, very good, very good. Um, mm -hmm. So very good. Uh, moving on then to another very quick cast story. Um, mm -hmm. Right. Do you know who this other character is? Because I have no idea. <laughs> nope. Not a clue. I was like, is this supposed to be Clayface? Because we know... We know how close Cass and Clayface became in the pages of, of Detective mm. Comics. But I have no idea. Who, I mean, because... And they say people... Say, hey, man, people call me a monster all the time. That's all I can think of. But why does he take the form of a little red-headed child? Yeah, that confused me. I, I, I didn't get the form that he was taking. I, I get that he yeah. maybe wants to sit there and be more human with her, but I don't yeah. know why Why it wouldn't just be, but, you know, Basil Carlo form. Yeah, because <laughs> as far as I know, Basil Carlo's not a little red-headed child. Oh. <laughs> like, uh, but I guess Clayface can be who you want, but uh, yeah, I just, I don't know who this is supposed to be. I feel like I should. Because well, uh, he says uh, Monday meeting, and if Clayface, I guess, yeah. makes sense, if you if you think about it being set during yeah. the d detective time, although she's not wearing that outfit, she's got a battle going on her suit. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. But uh, the idea is, is that there was, there was a bat meeting of some kind, and Damien might have said something mean to her, like last time, Yeah. so she didn't show up. Uh, and then he's like, what's in the box? And it's, it's food. And then that's the end of the story. It's, yeah, so it's very, they're, they're very short. It's very, very short. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know what to um, make of this one, to be honest. <laughs> no, me neither. And I love Nguyen's art. Like, it's, it's some of my favorite. I, so I was a little bit disappointed just because, like, it, this kind of felt like color, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't think okay. it helps that we already had such a great cast story early on in the, the book. Yeah. So um, I'm looking it up because I typed in, you know, uh, Dustin Nguyen and the story uh, um apparently this character's name is abuse who first appeared in detective comics 947 um abuse times back anybody bridge upset out of a comment made by damien so yeah, sure okay uh, I'm, gonna look up who, I'm gonna find out who this character is and why i mean that's why a, I mean, they, they uh, have a relation with 
gas like that, is that's this... that's an issue that we did on the show that's that's post the start of rebirth i'm sure uh no it's from 2008 oh is it okay in that yeah, case yeah, yeah. That... really yeah. what number did you say i gotta go back i might have i might have flipped the numbers because i was reading fast okay yeah i was gonna say because you said like nine yeah hold on hold on my computer's being stupid uh, there we go. Just code, no mass. No. Uh, uh, uh. What's in the box? There it is. 9.47. It says October 2008. But Detective didn't hit 900 until the New 52. I know. So... <laughs> unless they hit 2018? And they made a mistake? I... I don't remember ever meeting this character before. Uh, the reason why I remember that is because they made a whole big deal yeah. about it. Could remember the the nine hundred? Mm-hmm. There was like a group called the nine hundred yeah. in that special issue in the new fifty two. Yeah. So, let's see. So first appeared in Batman Street the Gotham. Okay. So that's definitely okay. not. So they they made a mistake. Somebody needs to go edit that page. Um. Which I have read that, but clearly this character has faded yeah. from my memory. An unknown protector of abused children, he is known as the current known to the current Batman, but is claimed to have a run-in with the original by telling Grayson that he didn't expect Batman to remember all his little helpers. Um, something to his ass. Yeah. So apparently, he's a protector. Um, he has two appearances in Detective, but he came from Streets of Gotham, and that was back then. So I think they just mixed their their numbers up. Interesting. You know? Okay. But yeah, he looks like a big, like, looks like, you know, I would say, like, when the thing wears a trench coat. Yeah. That's kind of his vibe. Um, but he shrinks into a... But he shrinks into a, a little guy. A wee ginger. Lawrence. So, yeah, so, I mean, I guess because when maybe had a hand in creating this character, maybe that's why he decided to use him. Um, but I, I do like the sentiment of it. You know, it's this guy coming to, to sit with her, you know, and, and comfort her. Um, which which is nice. Yeah, yeah. created uh, by Paul Dini and Dustin Wynn. So there we go. That's why Dustin Wynn used them then, because he was uh, yeah, they were he was great. Uh, next up is the Grace Choice story uh, with Thunder and Black Lightning, and uh, I was a bit mixed on this one. I don't know how you felt. So I like the sentiment of it because I missed this pairing. Sure, I loved yeah. when I read Outsiders. I love Grace and, and Thunder. Uh, Grace, just as a character, was fantastic because she had this mystery to her. It wasn't really revealed. She was a, a, a Banna Migdal uh, Amazon. Uh, and she was just this big, strong bouncer lady. And, you know, shocker. I like that vibe. You know, you know, punch first, ask questions later. Um, and then she had a whole relationship with Black Lightning's daughter. And it was, it was like this nice character dynamic. Um, however... Some of the dialogue in this is real rough, you know, and like part of the story, kind of rough. But I'm gonna just take what I can and be happy if this is a reintroduction to Grace and Lightning and Thunder back into DC, especially with what they're doing with Black Lightning and Outsiders. Yeah, you know? I I think for me it was because the whole premise of this is that uh, Thunder's taking uh, Grace Choi to, to like you know family mm-hmm. dinner to meet uh, you know Black Lightning and sister and mm-hmm. it's i feel like because of the sentiment they wanted to get across which i agree is a nice yeah. sentiment but they had to mm-hmm. go they had to make jefferson just be kind of a dick 
<laughs> just to, yeah. to to make it work to, so the story could happen he had to yeah. be i don't like my daughter hanging around with the likes of you you put her in dangerous situations and blah 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 you know yeah except they're superheroes and you should have accepted this by now pops yeah you she, do it every day she, yeah. she already puts on an outfit and goes and you know acts as yeah. thunder like this is a very yeah. now you now know. if it was like being that he's a principal right mm-hmm. and a little old-fashioned he's like i don't like the fact that you're covered in tattoos you know, like something along those lines, but the whole you put her in danger. No, she puts herself in danger every day. <laughs> like you, we all do this. We're a superhero family. Um, yeah, it was just a little bit weird, but I did like Mammoth and Shimmer showing up, and you know, them basically teaming up to, to take them out. Uh, um, also, the bit where he complains that she's eating sushi with her hands. Yeah, I thought it was a bit yeah, like again. Which... I felt, it felt forced. It was like, wait, why is he complaining about that? Well, yeah, and he goes, you eat onigiri with your hands, you know, and so, um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I, sometimes I'm just a sucker for the disapproving parent that gets one over, you know, that might just be me bringing my own personal mm. stuff into it, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was like you said, it was hit or miss, but I did, you know, I like seeing Grace back. So I hope this is not the only time we get to see her, you know, especially, Especially with what we'll, we'll, we'll get to, I forget <laughs> from from the outsiders. There's yeah. you know some unfinished business in, in the pages of uh, Urban Legends. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe we'll see her show up there. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, a bit mixed on that one. Uh, another pin up next uh, by Guri Hiru. Hiru. Yeah. Um, yeah. With a variety uh, of characters. Uh, yeah, it seems like they're all the Asian characters, which of course. Um, which oh, I forget well, that... It's not all the Asia yeah. characters. No, 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 but the, the <laughs> Titans. Because I was like, wait. Sure. What is, you know... I forget that, that Jay and Irie are... Linda's Asian. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I was like, oh, it's a, the Teen Titans. And then I started looking who it is. And I was like, oh, yeah, dummy. What book are you reading? Um, I just saw a kid flash there. And, you know... Um, and then you have Eugene. Um, is that supposed to be Taki Tani down there at the bottom? Uh yeah I guess yeah I don't yeah. even know I don't know how else it would be so gotcha uh, but yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. cool uh and then we have the Emmy story mm-hmm. um which kind of falls into almost what the Green Lannister was a little bit the idea of not being ashamed of your uh your own culture heritage whatever because Emmy is having a nightmare where. And I will say the the art was a yes. little off putting to me here because it was yeah her fighting like big cute you know, like Japanese cartoon yeah like yeah. sail creatures the anime yeah and as we know both of us are the ones that yeah I know so um, um and but we be- love Emmy so we'll, we will struggle through stuff we don't like yeah for for Emmy Queen yes um, so don't like anime but we'll put up with Emmy nay yeah. uh, so yeah. uh, that was terrible I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, hold uh, on uh, Emmy. Anime and, and, and no, yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna, say, you're gonna end up saying anima, so stop it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I stopped with an, an enemy. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, you know, Emmy says, you know, I, I hate this cute shit because everyone yeah. calls me cute and I hate it. And it's just sort of, oh, you, you're supposed to like cute things because you're, because you're yeah. Asian. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the animal creature looks sad and, and, but mm-hmm. that's based on what other people say. You know, what, what, that's not based on yeah. what you actually like or dislike or anything. And uh-huh. um, then it shows her a, a sort of cute version of her cuddling 
with the cube, you know, yeah. the, the cube version what, of that. What's that thing? Or yeah. Whoever that was. The Kawaii Momo-chan. There we go. Yeah. And she wakes up and she she does have a little stuffed version of this and hugs it. And that's yep. the end of the story. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's the, sweet the, the enough. Um, yeah. Again, more Emmy, please. Just hook it into my veins. You know, again, another Green Arrow character that I love and can't explain outside of, you know, I just enjoy their vibe. Yeah. So. Yeah. There we have uh, Philip Tan and Sebastian Chang uh, pinup. Uh, Karate Kid from Legion Superheroes. Getting very much into the dragon. Joe, survives. I'm very glad you knew who this was because I had no <laughs> idea. <laughs> Come on. Of course I know who it is. I mean, is anyone surprised that I didn't know who the Legion character was? No, not at all. Uh, but this is very nice. I, I do love... If Karate Kid was in my favorite Legionnaires, I, I would definitely, you know... Uh, I, I, I think my reaction to this was, who's the Street Fighter-looking asshole? <laughs> like, that, that was my... That's, this is not Iron Fist. His collar is too high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, there we have Festival of Heroes uh, by Amy True and Marcio Takara. This is uh, Katana with... Uh, uh, so cyborg and blue beetle along for the mm-hmm. along for the trip uh, and there's a basically a festival i mean it's literally just like a, a almost a, a literal like, version of what the book is it's a yeah, comic con of a, celebration of yeah yeah it's a heritage festival that's yeah. right there it's the asian american pacific islander heritage festival you know and, and it's in uh, new york city um and of course you have some you know jerks that are being overtly racist you know and the heroes are gonna have to put a stop to them. I I love the sentiment of the story. I just wish the execution was more of a scalpel than a sledgehammer. However, the fact that this story has to be told is why we can't do it with a scalpel and instead have to do it with a sledgehammer. Yeah, it's just, you know? it's, it's the kind of thing where you've got the the slice of life moments where they're running into cosplayers that they recognize and mm-hmm. uh, arguing over food because Cyborg's got the last. Uh, uh, Rody, what is it? A Rody wrap? Um, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I never heard of a single bit of food that was mentioned in this uh, story. You, you know what a spring roll is? Okay, okay, okay. I take it back. Yes, yes. I you know spring rolls. Chinese, but I know but, you know what a spring roll is. But there was many other things mentioned yeah. uh, here that I have never heard of, uh, okay. which is presumably because there's, there's a, not only is there more in-depth cuisine here that I've yeah. not encountered, but probably just a lot of other culture cuisines that I've never even had a chance to encounter. Yeah. I mean, don't forget they are in New York. New York's kind of a melting pot. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, because I mean, earlier on we're talking about Vietnamese food. I, I've never had Vietnamese right. food or had the option of yeah. even looking at Vietnamese right. food. So, um, yeah. but yeah, so they're there to help protect things. Um, and you know, part of the story as well, but is about you know other cultures being there to help mm-hmm. out, which is kind of what you know Blue Beetle and Cyborg represent because yeah. they because they're both people of color, but they're both people of color of different cultures. Um, right. So you've got that there. You've got these assholes with the masks and uh, who are what it caused chaos. It turns out they've actually got a, a stone that's given them superpowers. So it's actually more of a fight when it does break out eventually. Um, right. But you know, Katana slices the thing in half, and yep. uh, <laughs> then all the actual like just like the the, the senior citizens start throwing yeah. uh, <laughs> fly kicks and stuff. Which... Respect your elders. I I love it. Anytime I can see a racist get beat up, I'm fine with it. You know? Like... 
Yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to see more with the guy with the walker in the background. Yeah. I, I want to see him yeah, with the yeah. walker hitting people with it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. yeah. And that's basically it. You know, some of the, the Justice League. Although, yeah. interestingly, it's Nubia and not uh, Wonder yeah. Woman who shows up uh, with yeah. Batman and Superman at the oh, end. Yeah. If you're reading Wonder Woman, you'll know that she's, you know, stuck in the realm of the dead. So, you know, she's... Of course, maybe he's going to come that in. That story didn't necessarily have to be in continuity. No, but I'm kind of glad that it was, because it also, again, there's some stuff in here that's heavy-handed, but not in the heavy-handed where I rolled my eyes. It was heavy-handed where I just wish there was a more nuanced way to say some of these things. However, I can't find a more nuanced way to say things, so I feel weird criticizing it. But, like, the lady in the beginning where the sentiment is these these jerks are... You know, they're like the Knights of Brotherhood or whatever. Basically tell her to go back where she came from. And she's like, my family's been here since they, since like 1890s or 1860-something. You know, I was born and raised in Seattle. And just the fact, like, we have to bring account to that because it's 2021. And that's still sentiment from terrible people, you know. Or, you know, uh, there, what was the other one in here? You know, there's a thing that... um that uh that blue beetle says about how he's you know he's uh, el paso mexican you know so he gets the two different cultures and stuff like that and just having to point out that like everyone comes from somewhere you know and i just feel like in 2021 we we should be able to do better but the fact that dc's taking time out to tell these stories in a you know festival of heroes it's, it's just disappointing you know that society's at that point um but I mean, overall, it's it's a fun story, you know. I mean, comic books have, you know, for the longest time, since the creation of, mm-hmm. in part, yeah. been here to tell stories like this. And, mm-hmm. um, no, I mean, not always for the better. I mean, there's some stuff from yeah. during wartime that were straight up propaganda. Oh. So, you yeah, know. I mean, yeah, just the, the, the main villain of detective comics is a Asian stereotype, you know, uh, yeah. from, from back then. You know, that's who Slam Bradley was showing up to fight. But I mean, you know, the fact that we've come so far. But there's that you know, that famous panel from like the I think it's like the 50s. But it's like it's Superman talking about racism or yeah. uh, saying anyone who does this isn't a real American anyway. Or you know, then right. there's like stuff like that, and mm-hmm. it's like so even from like a very early period, you know, the idea of yeah. having uh, encouraging messaging in the books is yeah. important. So, um, yeah, yeah, again. It's it's not the, I'm not it's not Amy Chu's fault that, that she has to tell the story or she felt that like she needed to tell the story and that that's what I'm more disappointed by, you know it's more of a societal issue than what happened here. I'm just glad that it be it, you know it ended up ended up being a fun story that she you can poke fun at the racists, you know because they're they're mm. going after people for the stupidest reasons and it's just like just you know love your fellow American love your fellow human. You know, uh, yeah. But hey, I like seeing Cyborg do stuff that's not teleport people around. So that's a win. I mean, Blue Beetle and Cyborg mostly argue over food uh, in this story. <laughs> that's fine. Fine by me. Mostly argue over food. Uh, there's a pinup by Francis Manipal. It is the current Swamp Thing. So nice to see that mm-hmm. character getting a little yep. uh, representation Levi. in the book. Uh, and then we have a Kevin Wada. Oof. And up. That's Shiva. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very pretty. Uh, uh Jen Bartel. Pen up a Cheshire. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know why they put like a bunch of pinups back to back here when they've been kind of spread out until now, but whatever. I mean, yeah. I'm not organizing the book. 
Uh, then yeah. we got our Ryan Choi story, uh, where he's in someone's body, uh, fighting off a virus that's been sent back through time. Uh, which yeah, they overcomplicated this a little bit. Don't get me wrong; I'm sure this this uh, this this team that he's talking about from the future, that the Justice mm-hmm. League of the Future, are working with the present day heroes to to deal with. But essentially, something was sent back through time so that eventually the right descendant would just you know, get sick and die, effectively. So, right. Ryan Choi's in there fighting off these things, but his belt gets damaged, so he has to try and grab the last parasite quickly, mm-hmm. um, and sort of, like, jumps out the body as his helmet's cracking, uh, and, like, flies out the guy's nose, yeah. and it's kind of a, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting visual, if nothing else. Uh, yeah. So, um, and it ends with him taking Bruce to, uh, you know, the, the person that he just saved. There's someone who works 80 hours a week, three different jobs just to make ends meet and basically explains that there's a lot of people who do this but no one seems to notice not everyone seems to just kind of yeah. let people blend into the background yep um and Bruce is like okay how do i help i'm a billionaire and you have got the brain to help you know start working on this so what what, what do we do and that's just kind of you know that's a sentiment about working together again so um i probably enjoyed this one i mean a little bit less just because i, th- I thought the story itself was a bit weird yeah and unfulfilling uh I, again i this... do like where it goes though with with Choi telling bruce wayne what he yeah, does it's I... like because you you think at the beginning that they're saving like a superhero right like it's yeah. gonna be someone that we know and then when it turns out that it's this dude with three jobs and eventually you know it, he's but, important in the future which is the know? point I, in a lot yeah. of ways i i think it's um it's because we keep we keep saying that even when we don't necessarily love the stories, the sentiment's always on point. And I think mm-hmm. you know it'd be weird to find a story in here that doesn't have a good sentiment because it's kind of the point yeah. of the book in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, but that's the best part. No, you're right. The, 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 it turns out not to be someone important right now. It's someone who right. is either going to be important themselves later, or someone that you know is a descendant of them is going to be important down the line. Right. And therefore, everyone's important because no one knows mm-hmm. who is going to, you know, give birth right. or have a grandkid or a great grandkid. Who is going to end up saving the world? Uh, mm-hmm. Therefore, everyone's important, as you know. So right, yeah. right. Uh, and, you know, you don't know their stories, and you can't just look over them. You know, you just gotta treat again, treat everybody with respect. Yeah. Uh, real, real quick. This, this writer, porn sack, pashay shot. Uh, he's a Thai American. He was an editor for Vertigo, um, and he worked on like Day Tripper, The Unwritten, Sweet Tooth unknown soldier uh he's an executive at dc entertainment um and and yeah so they they pulled from you know their their own stable here he has a an independent book out through image called the good asian now that i feel like i want to check out Hmm. so uh, that's also what's cool about these anthologies is that gets eyes on on you know for me new creators uh you know i can check out their other works yeah uh there's a pinup uh, by Jim Chung with Romelo Ferrado Jr. Uh, yep. And this is this is another sort of team one where there's just a lot of uh, various DC Asian characters uh, being represented. Mm-hmm. Um, all from New Superman to Emmy to Katana mm-hmm. to Cass, so on, so on. Yeah. So, uh, Cheshire, Omac. Apparently Omac's Asian? I didn't realize this. Um, that's news to so, me. That said, one yeah. of the uh, cosplayers in the previous story, yeah. the festival, where cosplaying is Omac. Yeah. So, 
I guess I'm, I yeah, I don't know what my position either. Uh, but there you go. Uh, and then we get to which I think is the final story here, the Monkey Prince mm-hmm. story. Which you know, when I got to it, I didn't I didn't read the titles at the start, so I didn't read what the title was. So I got to this yeah. Shazam story, and I was like, "Who's Asian here? What's what's going on? Where's, where's the Asian character?" Yeah. Wait, but, Savannah? Maybe it's a stretch. I thought it was gonna go Eugene, because again, yeah, like you said I wasn't looking at the titles, and I was like, okay, well Eugene's Asian, so maybe this this is how Eugene comes in and saves Billy. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think the the hench people might be Asian, but I thought that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Unless they become yeah. kind of the focal point of the the story, that's a bit you know. Yeah, they they save the day just being uh, you know random scientists yeah. that are like Savannah's gone off the. Uh, well, off I mean, the rails. You, you you could do that. You could sort of turn it into mm-hmm. being about these characters who seem like red shirts at first, but then become important. Right. Like that that was a possibility, but instead, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, obviously, the twist is that this isn't really Shazam that's been captured by right. Savannah. Uh, Savannah's actually been infected. Yeah, there's a weird moment here where Savannah says he's going to cook Shazam's heart and eat it when it's tender. And yeah. it's like, you know what? For all the you know weird shit Savannah's been up to that I've read or seen over the years, I never thought of him as a straight-up cannibal. That's, this feels a bit a bit over the top. Uh, yeah. But that turns out to be the point because it's, he's actually infected with a, a demon, effectively, you know, something from mythology. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out that Shazam is actually the monkey prince uh, in disguise. And yeah, we get this character. This is a Gene Young story. And it does say at the end that this is com- this is going to continue yeah. in some form later this year. So a miniseries, I expect, uh, mm-hmm. for Monkey Prince, perhaps. But uh, he does not like superheroes. He does not like when the real Shazam shows up to help. Uh, there's a lot of mm-hmm. conflict between them. Uh Savannah's very all over the place. Uh, also, his mentor character, uh, Shifu, uh-huh. uh, who's mm-hmm. a pig-like entity. Uh, yeah. He shows up and he's trying to like give him help. Um, so, I mean, I don't know a lot about this character. This was mostly a, a discovery for me, uh, yep. this stuff. Uh, so I, I know about the Monkey King as a legendary figure from, you know, I like to mm-hmm. read up on mythologies. However... The monkey prince being like, that's not my dad. Sure. You know, DNA, whatever. So I like the fact that it's not just, you know, uh, Yang doing his version of the monkey king. It's what I loved Yang doing is taking a piece of Asian folklore or storytelling and turning it into superhero stuff. You know? Yeah. Uh, So there's a lot of action here. Uh, at one point, mm-hmm. the spirit, the evil spirit, tries to bite off Shazam's head, uh, mm-hmm. which you know. <laughs> the- yeah, and it's a deer spirit, which shows how how twisted this has become. You know, um, it's a hell of a visual. Uh, yeah, but there's a lot of fun bickering between Monkey Prince and uh, and everyone. Shazam. And oh, and everyone really, yeah, it is a good point. Yeah. But the end of the story is kind of interesting because we find out that this as a mm-hmm. you know a young character. And the kind of reveal at the end mm-hmm. um, is that, yeah, I mean, is it is it is it just me? Uh, does it reveal here that the his parents or the the hench people? Yeah, yep, that's what they're yeah, saying. They um, they so we have that, but then we also have to reveal that he goes to school with Billy. So they they're actually friends in school, uh, but he hates Shazam. So. I, I almost think that we're going to get a Monkey Prince Shazam miniseries later in the year, but given all the setup at the end. Given what Yang, like... Oh, Matt. 
<laughs> Your make has switched. You're on the wrong make now, for some reason. Let me fix this. I wonder, is this what your mic's doing now? Instead of doing the, the choppy thing that it used yeah, to do. It, is it's, it... it's swapping between them. Yeah, because I'm sure everyone right. at home can suddenly hear Matt sounds like absolute garbage, uh, as well as being much quieter as well. Um, oh, my so. God. He's, 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 he's fixing that. Uh, but yeah, it just says at the end, uh, the adventures of the Monkey Prince continue later this year. Although, given that they've set up Shazam, you know, Billy going to school with them, it feels like he's going to be a supporting character in it still as well. Right. So good stuff. Oh, Matt's back. There you go. There we go. Yeah. Um, no, and if this, if this is Yang doing Shazam yeah, with the Monkey Prince or the Monkey Prince for doing Shazam, I'm here for it. I miss I miss that book, The, the New Superman, so much. Um, and what Yang was doing with, with you know, doing his own twist on, on different heroes and what those versions are. And, like, the Monkey Prince feels like the next step in that right because this is him adapting the monkey king legend stuff and what does that mean you know how he hates superheroes yet he's friends with billy batson you know like it's, it's a whole lot of fun yeah uh so i'm looking forward to that and the profiles at the bag it's worth mentioning there's some in there that didn't really appear in the book in any great capacity mm-hmm. you know it throws in clown hunter of course mm-hmm. uh uh there's dr light dr light element woman's there uh-huh uh gold lantern mm-hmm. is there um so yeah a whole bunch of other characters there i'm, I'm just mm-hmm. sort of skimming through to see if there's any other ones that didn't pop up in the bit tracy uh, 13 there... tracy 13 yeah. was actually on the cover or was in like uh the pinup of it was in a pinup that yeah. we didn't talk about with connor hawk done by is it Philip tan do, do i know why that confused i think the reason why i skipped yeah. over that is because it comes yeah. right before the connor hawk story so i all yeah. I, for, I looked at that as yeah. the cover to the connor hawk story yeah, and it's just occurring to me now that she never appeared in it. Which it's the Cliff Chang, yeah, uh, one, and it's it's a gorgeous like, I love it. So yeah, um, so yeah. no, really, really cool stuff. Um, it's you know the, these anthologies are always a mixed bag. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, there's no way around that. Not every story is like a great yeah. story on its own, but the sentiments are obviously very well thought out throughout the book. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, the, the the cause behind it and the reason for its existence are very admirable. Um, also, um, the last page of the book is a, a sort of a really sort of cinematic tease of uh, the Monkey Prince. Yeah. So again, to kind of maybe imply that there's going to be mm-hmm. bigger things coming for that character in the future. Uh, it's weird to rate a book like this, but I mean, we can try. Yeah, here's the thing. There's way more I enjoyed, and the stuff that I didn't enjoy, still pretty. Like I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy it. You know, it's like the 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 Dustin Wynn story. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, it's just kind of there, but the art looked great because it's Dustin Wynn. You know, um, but yeah, there's way more to like in here than there's to dislike. So, you know, on a pass or fail kind of rating, I give it a thumbs up, and you know, let people like you should read this. <laughs> you know. Well, that's all nice and Matt and all Matt, yeah. but you know we we don't do the thumbs up, thumbs down. We we do an out of ten. So you're going to have uh, to. I thought get... I thought I would get you to to move and go. Yeah, you know, for something like this, that's what we should do. <laughs> but uh, curses foiled again. Uh, I'm going to give this an eight, just because again, there's way more to like than there's to not like, and I got to see some of my favorite characters again, like Grace Choi, Emmy, you know, plus meeting a new one that i see that i'm gonna like with the monkey prince mm-hmm. so yeah 
yeah, it's always tough to rate these anyway, even when they're not like for such a good cause and, and reason. But um, I think, you know, looking the ones that actually have relevance are the ones that are most exciting. I think the Cheshire Cat and the that's another one. The uh, the Monkey Prince stuff is definitely the ones that stuck out to me the most. But obviously, I love to get a bit more cast. Um, I enjoyed seeing uh, Kenny and Kong again. Um, um, I think I'm going to nudge just a little bit below and go seven point five. But okay. uh, but it's kind of very up and down. You know, there's a few stories that are maybe a, a little bit just kind of the the sentiment and nothing more. There's maybe one or two that are a bit more in your face or lack the story to kind of back up the the thing but um generally speaking though you're not going to have an unpleasant time going through it and sort of get getting a showcase of a lot of characters many of which don't get as much time uh as these days um i, I think i feel much more negative on the the grace choice story thing you do and i think that's maybe yeah. what's uh <laughs> what's knocking it down that maybe half point. maybe so I'm looking up Monkey King stuff, and you know, there's that book that gets brought up every once in a while that's through Rooster Teeth in DC, Ruby. Oh, yeah. Apparently, that's a take on the legend of the Monkey King and Journey into the West, which is where Monkey King comes from. All right. Uh, uh, do, so, not, do not, for the life of, do, please do not tell me that that book is going to become relevant, and therefore... I don't think so, because it just says it has a character named Sun Wukong, who is inspired by his namesake from Journey into the West. It currently has seven aired seasons. To re- uh, to reference the mythical Sun Wukong, Sun Wukong here is a monkey faunus, which is a human with animal attributes. Uh, uses a staff in con- uh, combat, though his splits into nunchucks and shotgun hybrid weapons. Um, that's kind of cool. Um, and can generate clones to fight for him, which I guess is a Monkey King thing. So maybe that's Monkey Prince as a clone? Uh, maybe that's where that's going? Um, but But yeah because uh, hmm. of course I, I have to know where this is coming from um, but also uh, American Born Chinese which is the Jin Lun Yang uh, that was his creator owned you know almost autobiography hmm. features the legend of the Monkey King throughout the book he uses the story of the Monkey King's quest to become equal to a god to parallel his feelings of the main characters the main character in a Chinese immigrant who's struggling to fit into American society so this clearly is a passion for Yang and I am glad that DC is, is, you know, I don't want to say letting him do it, but offering a a place for him to tell the story, finally. Um, I mean, I, no doubt he had to pitch whatever he's doing. No doubt yeah. he had to sort of convince them there was a story worth telling. So, uh, yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, all right. Batman the Detective, issue two, Tom Taylor, writing with Andy oh. Cooper on the art. Uh, we have this, you know, team of white bat villains who are... Yeah. Uh, killing hunting people who were saved by yeah. batman uh and i will say i like this issue a little bit more than the first one i'm still not Me loving too? the art but no um i will say i do love the because the, the, the issue starts with batman interrogating like one of the one of the ones who's he's caught yep. up with and he's dangling him off the roof as he often does and he drops him and then you know grabs him at the last minute with a grapple gun blah 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 the usual stuff and he lets him go because he wants, you know, okay, I've got a tracker on him. I can learn more from him this way because he's not really going to t- say anything else. Um, but when this guy goes back to his, uh, you know, his team and sort of explains what's happened, they're like, wait, the, you got away from Batman, right? Strip him and search him. He's like, no, I changed clothes. I showered. There's no way there's a tracker. But of course, it's under inside his body. You know, Batman's injected him with something because he's Batman. Of course. And, yeah. but during all this, when he's trying to argue how he got away, he says the, the phrase... 
I almost died. I would have if Batman hadn't saved me. And then the leader brings that up and he's like, wait, wait, no, I didn't mean that. And then shoots him right there and then. I thought, damn, this villain just became way more interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. So, and this is Taylor doing his brilliantly dark stuff like he did in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Right? Because just the, you see the gun go to the dude's forehead. And then, of course, you see the after effect of it, you know, after the bang and the head throwback. But yeah, it got super dark. Uh, and then we also get Henry Ducard, which which is always, you know, kind of fun showing up. From, you know, he's the one yeah, that taught that, Batman to be, you know, the detective. That's the other uh, the other side of this. Um, obviously, there's a little bit more with uh, Knight talking about Squire, mm-hmm. who is, you know, again, very argumentative with Batman still. Uh, but we get glimpses of this hospital that's underground in London mm-hmm. that uh, Batman was taken here once upon a time by Henry Descartes, uh, which teases Henry Descartes as a subject for the, for the mm-hmm. book. And then later in the issue, Batman's on a train because he's tracked, this tracker's went back to France, so he's on his way there. And he's in the train and he basically senses, and I mean, as much as I say I'm not like huge on the art, I'm talking about the faces. See when it's panels, like the one where he's climbing on the side of the mm-hmm. train and then he's running on the roof of the train. That page looks yeah. great. Like, I love that page. Like, that stuff looks yeah. solid. My my main complaint with Kubert's art is it's so bulky. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is so chunky. Like, even look at Squire uh, on that page early on where Batman's hanging him off of, I think it's Big Ben, right? Yeah, off the clock tower. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, ugh, Squire looks so bulky. Um. Not since Basil and Rattican has there been such a has a, has there an action packed set piece at the top of Big Ben. Yeah, sure. I know you look a great mass detective. Name, name me another one. Has there been any since nineteen eighty six? I don't think there has. I don't think you can name one. So I'm sure one of the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes movies had something at Big Ben. Trash, absolute trash. Doesn't count. No, those those movies are fun. Trash, Not trash. It's fun. Absolute trash. Uh, but... So bit of a fight breaks out. Uh, between mm-hmm. them but they calm down and Descartes is you know put together what's going on the media will soon and you know that does mean that anyone who's been saved by a Batman is going to start to you know be terrified <laughs> because they're going to be targets Gotham is screwed if these people make it over the I know. Yeah. yeah so um, you know he criticizes him for being too much of a loner and he needs to work with other people and that he should help him and they should work together and Bruce doesn't want to because, you know, you're a killer, you're this, you're that. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not doing this. But it says, no, come find me, we can do this. Batman finds the body of the guy that he put the tracker in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and this is one of the things that I wonder if there's going to be any element <laughs> of, of guilt here. I mean, we don't yeah. see too much here because we move on quite quickly. Well, yeah, what is he else, is he supposed to do? Batman can't not save people. Like, yeah. So now it adds this. Oh, I almost feel like Taylor's trying to set up this dilemma where Batman's gonna hesitate, but we all know Batman's not. You yeah. know. Well, like, I, I mean more in this sense that he's the one who put him in the situation where he would have died had he not saved him. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Exactly. And then let him go because that's how Batman tracks the you know the people. Like if Joker had done this, Batman would feel the same way. Yeah. You know, kill the guy that is gonna lead him to him. So. so then we cut to Henry Descartes and we think Batman's there uh, and it's that sort of thing where mm-hmm. you know, it's just a dark you know mask and cape and whatnot but Such then a good reveal. yeah but then you turn the page and the, the lights on them and it's actually the white bat suit of the you know this woman who's leading this team um and 
Henry Ducard tries to be a badass and takes on mm-hmm. like her and like you know at least one or two of her you know allies. Yep. Uh, Batman's on his way there, but just as they get there at the end, the <clears throat> uh, card is shot and thrown off the balcony and lies there dead. So that's our big cliffhanger. Yep. Uh, now, admittedly, uh, he may not technically be dead. Uh, because she says that you know the villain says, "Oh, he's going to save him. He always effing saves him." Yeah. Um, but so I mean, maybe we'll be maybe he'll wake up in a hospital next issue. But I mean, it's uh, as far as deaths go, it's like four gunshots to the chest and like falling off a balcony to the ground. <laughs> Very reminiscent of Deadshot. Like he's yeah. taken any account away from you. From, yeah. You know. Okay. I mean, I suppose technically Batman does catch him right before he hits the ground, but he's still been shot four times in the chest. That's not right. <laughs> if the bullets didn't kill him the fall would have you know like if it was done is done and what's funny what's funny Descartes... doesn't this technically mean that they're going to want to come back and kill Descartes again because Batman's now technically saved him if he does save him maybe maybe they have a Lazarus pit and they'll revive him to kill him again it's double or nothing you know? is what I'm saying yeah yeah <laughs> that's the name uh, of the pay-per-view uh, yeah, it is <laughs> so yeah, no, this is this is so good. It's still not in my like. I don't think it's amazing. Like I've read, you know, it, you know, I mean, that's almost other Taylor stuff. Yeah, that's it, it's not. It's almost that's almost sounds more negative than I mean it to be. But it's like mm-hmm. C tier Taylor. Yeah, which is still good. It's still solid yeah. and readable. But it's like C tier Taylor. Mm-hmm. So take that as you may. But yeah. uh, that's kind of where I feel on it. It's like it's good, but it's nothing compared to some of his other stuff that like sends me into a tizzy. Uh, and apologies. The casual wrestling references that no one gets, all the people who watch AEW, I do apologize, but, you know, occasionally they have to... As long as you didn't do I love you, I'm sorry. Or I'm sorry, I love you. We're, we're good. The Young Bucks are the best heels. Like, yeah. their, their ring attire is getting more and more obnoxious every time they come out. It's, they're getting more obnoxious, as if that was possible. It's, it's delightful. But they're so scared of Moxley and Kingston, which makes it so uh-huh. perfect. Um, yeah, so. they're insane. You should be afraid of Keith. He's in Boxley. Oh man, that that Nagata match was so good. That was oh, a New Japan good. match on American TV. It was. I mean, they even said at the start it was New Japan rules, yeah. which was which uh-huh. was cool. Twenty shout out, but just the kicks uh-huh. and the forearms and like I just want Ishii on Dynamite. Just give me that and I'll be happy. Yeah, if it wasn't for that that shitty uh, inner circle hose segment, I haven't made it that far yet. So the last thing I got to see was the the bucks. Okay, well, yeah, uh, I did watch the main event though because I I don't want to be spoiled. Yes. Um, but but yes. So, well, I yeah, I'm I'm done with that. I'm done with the pinnacle. I'm done with the inner circle. There's more interesting things going on. I mean, I, so. I went to the pinnacle for beyond this, and I, I think the yeah. the match of the pay per view will be a much more violent, serious version of what happened last year because there's no way it's going to be the comedy Certainly. match again. No, apparently he uh, hit his uh, Jericho dislocated his elbow in, in his in his fall. Yes. Yeah. Uh, tough yes. times. But yes. anyways, comics. Comics, yes, yes, comics. Um. Yeah, what are you rating? <laughs> the Batman Detective. Uh, I'm going to give this a seven. It's perfectly serviceable. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you, seven. Uh, and. Thank you to David, who's going to have to edit out the wrestling talk for the split up version. <laughs> uh, so, Superman issue thirty-one, Philip K. Johnson and Scott Goodluski on the art. Uh, so, 
Oh, I will admit, I for it took me a few pages to remember what the last issue was because it oh, dropped it, it dropped me in, and I'm like, wait, what the hell happened the last issue? What's going on? And I'm like, oh, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, the fallen being and like this this planet and and all the rest of it. Uh, more importantly, though, we're going sort of full invasion of the body snatchers style thing here, where yep. a lot of these aliens are being assimilated, and uh, Clark and John they they talk to this one last alien who they think they can trust. By the end of the issue, though, he does betray. Uh, betray them and it's you know Clark's narration kind of talks about how he sort of reflected on this from later and kind of ultimately comes to the, the idea that this was kind of the first time where it became about him relying on John to save him and you know John alternatively you know thinks about how he's talking later to the alien about you know, people always say it's Yeshua to take the mantle of Superman, but it's not a mantle, it's who he is. It's, it's not just because he has powers. There's so much yep. to what makes Superman and Superman. It's it's the conversation I had when we were watching Falcon and Winter Soldier about, well, I say I had, uh, via Twitter, about passing of mantles. It's not like, like Superman and Steve Rogers, right? They're both Captain America and Superman. But what makes them them is the fact that they're Steve Rogers and Clark Kent. And anyone that takes up the mantle is just going to be looked at as, you know, not a pretender, but, you know, they're not the authentic thing. And it has to be earned. And that's what I like with John here being like, you know, I'm not my dad. I'm, I'm going to be different. And I don't even really want the Superman name, but I feel like they're going to give it to me anyways, no matter what I do. And just the combination of that and the guy that he's talking to, who is the son of this, you know, this legend on this alien planet, you know, and how that contrasts with him, that he's afraid he'll never, you know, uh, live up to his dad's standard, right? Because his dad is this legendary hero on the planet, and that's not him at all, and that he's ruled by fear. Uh, just the dynamic between those two made some really good storytelling. Yeah, no, I, I think this issue is a little bit stronger than the last one because it does get a bit more into the... the... Mm -hmm. You know, there was so much setup I had to do last issue to explain the planet and explain what the context was and what was going on. This mm -hmm. issue got to just be a bit more about what it meant to the two main characters and what it was saying about those two characters. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, you do have the twist where, okay, super, it's a bit of a trap. This, this mm -hmm. you know, entity comes after Superman. Um, and the narration talks about how he, you know, he basically has to rely on John being the one to save the day. Uh, and John finds out that this is all, this plan's kind of happening and flies off to uh to go and there's great some great talk here of uh superman hearing that he knew it'd be okay because he could still hear john's heartbeat that's then it's that's the just... favorite sound in the world is john's Ugh. heartbeat yeah so, so that, nice... that line hit me so hard because that is such a clark kent thing to feel you yeah. know and that because uh, because you know he always listens for lois's heartbeat you know like he's constantly uh -huh. listening for lois because she's gonna get herself into trouble so lois lane does but the fact that he's listening to his son's heartbeat, but that's his favorite sound. Oh, man. I was just like, oh. not tears. It wasn't like Nightwing, right? But it was, it was up there. So the cliffhanger of the issue is, uh, you know, the giant being getting back up. That's the big final page. Mm -hmm. uh, well, this is all yeah, happening. Yeah, the one that fell. So uh, it's, it's presumably strong enough again now that it's absorbed all these aliens and people to, you know, mm -hmm. have the energy to do this. Uh, so it's a neat, I think it's a neat second part. I mean, it's still kind of, um, you know, like it has, the, it has the sad comparison to be made to the last mm -hmm. issue of Action Comics, which I thought was a real 
great issue. It felt like it was yeah. okay. This is where Johnson's run is really starting to pop and feel things. Uh, I like what this is doing for the Clark and John relationship. Uh, the actual plot with the aliens of the planet, though, is just kind of like, oh, this feels like, you know, when you watch a TV show and you've got that, mm. that plot of the week, yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel super important in the grand scheme of things, the actual plot. It's just, like, it's there to do the story for the characters, and that's cool. But, yeah, but it's, uh, but again, I like, like, the dynamic between the two sons and how they're dealing with it differently. You know, that this the, the son, I'm not even trying to pronounce the names, but he basically sold everybody out because he knew he wasn't going to be his dad, versus John taking that, you know, no, I, I'm going to try to be my dad, you know, and do my best. I, I love that part of the story. In the art, if I'm going to be a little bit negative, the art's kind of hit or miss. And I know there's two, two different artists, and it's Ratman, you know, trying to mimic um, Godlewski's art as best as they can. Um, mm-hmm. And that's okay. But, you know, again, it's hit or miss, but it still works. As much as it needs to, those those designs I think are kind of weird. Of the aliens, are kind of hard to mimic because it definitely felt different from the last issue. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, not bad by any means. Uh, what are you giving the main story? Um, I'm gonna give this an eight point five. Okay. Uh, I'm probably going with seven point five. Like I'm still not necessarily super feeling the actual plot plot, but I'm liking what the, what it's saying about the two characters, and I'm liking kind of yeah. the, the beats that's getting out of those. Uh, but you know, for me right now, action is the book. What will be very interesting is when action's in full swing and Taylor's on Superman. Uh, mm-hmm. you know what that what, what we'll be doing with that and the comparisons there. Uh, basically, I feel like uh, Sarazawa and Godzilla. I just want to say, let them fight. Oh boy, let the war wage. Uh, yeah. so that way the backup is continuing the, the plot of uh. The villains that we've had with all these yeah. B-list characters. So we have Loose Cannon, Gangbuster. Uh, basically, have a bit of a fight, and it seems like Gangbuster is being influenced uh, by but... something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by uh, what's his name? I forgot her name already. <laughs> the the yeah, villain. Yeah, yeah. Projectress. Yeah. That was it. Projectress. There you go. Uh, but she's that, being that... extra aggressive and Loose Cannon, whose name is Loose Cannon. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you know. When the guy with the anger problems calls you out for having anger problems, you know you you done stepped in it. Uh, yeah, this was really short compared to the last two chapters. Yeah. Did, did, did the main story have more pages that I didn't know? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But but before we got going, I forgot that I had to read this. Yeah. And so I I picked it up and I was like, okay, I'm done. And it only took you like four or five minutes, if that. And yeah, it was real short. Uh, but I had to look up loose cannon. Uh, Loose Cannon's been around since 93. He was created by Jeff Loeb. It's essentially a Hulk kind of character, but he has a alien... Uh, it's from the Bloodlines storyline. He has a, a, an alien attack triggering a metagene. Um, but yeah, I guess he originally transforms his alter ego at night, grows in strength and size. When he gets angrier, he changes colors from blue to purple to red and finally to white with extreme range. So yeah, he's basically DC trying to do the Hulk. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really have not much to say. I did just count the pages. It was eight, which is actually more than I thought it was. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess it just felt really quick, which, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's good in a sense, but, but mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it felt less than the Ambush Bug story, and they're probably the same pages, you know? Yeah. I yeah. I, I honestly have nothing to say about it. I feel nothing from this, this chapter of this. <laughs> no, I don't. Bibbo getting hit and... And what I don't know, I'm kind of losing my, I don't say patience for the story, 
But I, I get I like that it's trying to showcase different members of Metropolis, like these different heroes that are there. But I, I don't know what the point of the story is at this point. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's just not bad. I mean it looks fine mm. and it, it flows fine enough. Yeah. So I'm happy to give it like a six, but I'm yeah. not Yeah, I don't have anything to say. I have nothing to really oh. give, give an opinion on really. I'll I'll, I'll copy the six as well. Alright, well, there you go. Uh, Wonder Woman 772 Becky Clunan Michael Conrad uh, with Travis Moore uh, so I'm not reading this anymore so Matt you're no. flying solo for this here we go and I'll try to make it quick because uh, I could talk about Vikings all day oh you know? I know um, but it, it starts with Wonder Woman in the belly of Needhog the you know the, the serpent that lives at the bottom of Yggdrasil and uh, basically she she Thinks that she's just gonna fight her way out of this beast's stomach, but uh, the basically the contents of the stomach start to poison her, and she dies again. Uh, and then she, you know, sees the the person holding the stuff up, and it goes back to the black and white. And the person's like, you know, you know, I wasn't supposed to interfere, but you you keep messing up. So here's the key, and they give her the key. So she, you know, gets up, fights her way out, and the dog throws her up. She gets the key and, and takes off with uh, Mattis talk. Um, Siegfried shows up and tells her that basically you don't want to mess with the Valkyries. Like this is this is bad news. Um, and Odin confronts Thor and find out that the weapons that they're using, the reason the Valkyries aren't being able to take the souls back is that the weapons that are being made by the dwarves are cursed. And that Odin gets mad at Thor, that Thor should have been able to put this together if he was paying attention. All very much, I felt like, Marvel Thor here. Um, that, you know, Odin's lambasting him for being himself. And if he was paying attention, none of this would have happened. Um, but something uh, kills Odin, right? As he's starting to put you know, everything together. Um, Wonder Woman joins with Thor and realizes like she can tap into her powers now so she starts to fly um and they they end up fighting this um it's like sea god this norse sea god and it reminds her of arthur and she's like i know this name it's very familiar but i don't know why so you get the point that her memories are coming back and as she's getting lost in this like i remember arthur because he smelled like a tide pool and it wasn't a good thing she gets crunched by this giant crab. And you come to find out that this person that keeps reviving her is dead man. Um, and that, you know, he was there basically to keep an eye on her because she's going through, through these different realms of the dead. Um, and that she is basically getting caught up on the side quest and she wasn't supposed to. And that, you know, she says that she has to save Yggdrasil but Deadman's like, you know, Yggdrasil's an elder that's lived longer than most. If she dies, it's because the Parliament of Trees has deemed it so. So it's starting to tie this mythological realm more into the DC, you know, magic stuff that we're more familiar with. Um, in that uh, she ends up, you know, going on this, this mission still because she made a promise to Siegfried, which is all very Diana. Like, this is who she is as a person. So they go to this um, Merc. What's the name of it? Oh, man. 
They go to this other realm, which is kind of like a realm between realms, where she ends up fighting like this evil, corrupted version of herself. Come to find out it's Dr. Psycho, and that she's using the cursed weapons to make Draugr, which are essentially um, Viking zombies. And that uh, that's the whole point of the cursed weapons and why the Valkyries can't um, save them. And that, you know, he's foiled, she's foiled him. Um, but she knows that if he's trying to stop her, she's getting closer to to figuring this all out. So so they keep it's called Merkvin, by the way, uh, the, this realm kind of in between. Um, and they, they get to a boat and it's Odin and they bring in. You know, the mythology that he's the wanderer, he's, you know, he has a whole bunch of different names and that he can take her to the, you know, to the fortress of the Valkyries, which is where she needs to go. But, you know, they're they're not going to want you there because no one except for the dead can see, you know, the Valkyries. And you're kind of in between. You're neither, you know, the gods or the dead. So they're not going to like your presence. So it ends like... uh him rowing up as the ferryman to the fortress valkyrie uh and it's like this big crystal cathedral up in the sky it's very kryptonian looking um and he says you know will betide those who lay the mortal gaze upon the valkyrie except for you and he goes uh, you know i don't you know that's just a line i say um you know so there's a bit of humor there and that's to be continued um the art's still so good you get the you know, the action is there. You get Diana teaming up with with not only Thor, but Dead Man. I thought that was a nice reveal. The Dead Man's the one that's been, you know, helping her fairy back because it makes sense as he's portraying realms himself. And now it seems like she's going through these different afterlifes on a mission. And we'll get to see what that mission is. Um, but yeah, it's it's still a really entertaining read. It's the first thing I read this week. I was very excited for it. Uh, and again, to see Dead Man show up and, you know, I, now that's playing with the how you know how he's been bringing her back and playing with the the Norse afterlife of, of Valhalla. Um, it's, it's all real good. I didn't read the backup, so I'm gonna just read the whole book. I'm gonna give us an eight. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right. Well, I actually, I get to talk on my own uh, yeah. for a bit because I'm talking about. Justice League The Last Raid, Issue 1, Chip Zarsky, writing with Miguel Madoncha on the art. Uh, I don't know if this is one you're going to actually catch up on, because I know that you just kind of forgot this was coming out. <laughs> I, I did, so I'll half listen while you talk, because right. I do intend on reading it still. So well, Here's the funny thing. So, before I get to specifics, I, I was actually a little bit confused early on if this was in continuity, because there was some stuff that... It kind of felt like... Oh, so, so, there's definitely something that's happened recently at the start of the issue, where the Justice League has disbanded and has been disbanded for a while, and the Batman and Superman have some beef, right? Something went down, and they are not best of friends right now. And obviously that's not happened in current continuity, but I thought, oh, maybe this is just, you know, that'll just be in this book, because this is just set up that this has happened in the last few months or something. And there's some stuff about Green Lanterns where I thought, is this kind of tying into what's just happened in Green Lantern? And I wasn't sure... And I was like, it's not exactly one to one, but it could become this. Like, is this actually giving us hints as to where that's going? And then, like, the very next page, Alfred was there, and I went, oh, okay, never mind, <laughs> never mind, <laughs> never mind. And then, by the time it gets to the end, because then it reveals that a character died later on. Like the, the the beef that Batman and Superman have, 
a character died who's definitely not dead <laughs> in main continuity, so it's not cut it's not cut through. But I mean it does kind of incorporate some stuff from continuity, like you know, now characters like Jessica Cruz pop up. Because, you know, there was a time when you wouldn't get new characters like that in the out-of-continuity stories. You would only right. get the classics. So that's kind of neat. But, um... And admittedly, Hal Jordan's outfit at one point looked a bit weird, but I, didn't, I wasn't sure if that's just what he was in at the end of Grant Morrison's run. Like, I have no idea. Sure. So, uh, so yes. Yeah. So it starts off kind of Superman-focused, and he's... Uh, Lois is narrating and talking about how you know, it's kind of getting to Superman a little bit that it is never-ending. Like, he knows it's never-ending, but he's kind of feeling it. She's sort of seeing it in his eyes and she's worried about him. That, you know, there's, there's always something else. There's always something next to go and save or go and... And he's, he's, he's adamant that he's fine. They're sleeping in the fortress for now because she's working on a book, which also felt in continuity, may I add, because she is working on a book <laughs> in continuity. But okay. he has this nightmare where he, you know, he basically sees himself fail where... The Daily Planet Globe, he catches it, but it's, like, infected with kryptonite. And this is all happening as uh, other stuff's going on. And he wakes up uh, screaming no. Uh, but there's a message from his old Justice League communicator, which is in a box, implying that it has been something that he's not been keeping on him for a while. Uh, and he goes to the, the Watchtower, and everyone's like, well, no one's been here in a while. And I, th- I took this as, aye, because the Hall of Justice is where everyone goes now. So this has been kind of you know, a commission. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, I think technically it got destroyed or it went away with the moon and I, I don't know if it ever came back, but um, Flash and Wonder Woman are there. They're they're kind of not looking forward to the what might go down here when Superman and Batman both get there. Uh, and they are very cold. Uh, they're very confrontational with each other. And eventually John Stewart calls in and says, look, we're not coming in personally, but we, you know, we need to show you something. So through the Green Lantern communication, uh, John Kellywog, who's wearing a hoodie, by the way, and Kellywog wearing a hoodie is a good look. It actually, you get the impression that he's been undercover, right? He's been trying to, you know, yeah. not draw attention to himself. I- but I'm excited for Kellywog in a hoodie. It looks good. And Jessica Cruz are there. And they've basically got Lobo. They've got Lobo and Chains yeah. trapped. And apparently Lobo has killed the new gods. And that's what they've arrested him for. And they need just the Justice League help to figure out what to do with them because he's got a lot of enemies, they're gonna be coming after him, and they want to make sure that he faces justice. Um and Batman says, F this. You don't need the Justice League for this. You get your entire Green Lantern core. And this is where I got really confused about continuity because they straight up say that the reason why they're not strong right now is because a lot of their jurisdiction has been taken up by the United Planets. So I was really thinking, oh, is this kind of tying into continuity? Because this is all very much what's going on mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but, yeah, so so Batman, Superman says, look, we still need you. you. You're the one who has the mind that figures this out. And you've probably already thought of the perfect place to find him. Uh, and later on, when Superman goes to see Batman uh, in Gotham. Batman insists on talking at the cave rather than out in the wild, you know, fighting Mr. Freeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alfred's there at the computer, which is why I was like, okay, I guess we're just definitely like continuity then. But <laughs> when Superman prods him and says, no, we do need you, we do need to help them, like, you've already probably thought of this, but he does get angry at one point, he punches the big penny. You know, he gets a lot of pissed. Oh, dang. So, he he gets pissed, and it's like, you know, you're thinking to yourself, okay, the characterization of Superman and Lois has been pretty on point, but there's been a couple of times where he snapped a little bit, which does feel a little out of character. 
Right. But when it comes up, what what went down? I mean, I don't have the specific shit, but Martian Manhunter is dead, and <gasps> this is apparently Bruce's fault. So Superman, oh, no. there there is a, a a rift here. Uh, but the end of the book is Batman saying, "Okay, yes, I I do know where to put him. The perfect place to hide Lobo and like keep keep him under guard and protect him." We have to go back to where, where this all started. We have to go back to Apocalypse. Uh, so that's the cliffhanger of the story. Huh. So, so now I come to the Justice League book. It was meant to be digital first to begin with, or even yeah. digital only. And it changed. People wanted the physical edition. Uh, I don't know if, if retail is the ones who spoke up and said we want to sell this because it's a Chip Jarsky's Justice League book. It's going to sell. Um, mm-hmm. But... It's interesting. I mean, I I do like that there's a a clear defined like premise at the start. It's not just oh the Just League are hanging out and then there's a call comes in mm-hmm. because there's a crisis. Uh, it's like no no. There's some backstory here with some mystery that we've set up that, that we're going to explore. Um, the character interactions are are pretty interesting. I like that the Green Lantern core are more of a factor in it as well. Um, curious to see what they do with it. And it's you know I. It's one, it's one of these things where it's it's not knock me out of the you know I, I I don't feel blown away by it by any means right. but as a Justice League book it feels like a fine mini that it's going to go into some stuff um right so I'll you know I'm I'm, I'm into it and the arts uh, they are solid Madonna has always been kind of a dependable mm-hmm. I don't want to say house style but he's kind of that one of those workhorse artists who they'll, they'll throw in a yeah. book. And you you feel in comfortable hands, but you're never excited for Madonna the same way you are no. for all other names. But yeah, Madonna's style is DC. Yeah, you know, like you know, he's gonna draw the Flash properly, Green Lantern, like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Like it, you can rely on it, you know. Yeah, and in fact, one of my favorite pals is probably a Wonder Woman just sitting there in a chair with the sword resting against it, and she just looks miserable because she knows that there's going to be a confrontation when they all show up. Right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's it's not bad though. I I I would probably, you know, coming from Zarsky, maybe I was expecting to be more blown away, but I I am still definitely into it. I still want to read more of it and see where it goes with yeah. the story. Yeah, I definitely. You had me at Kilowog in a hoodie. So, yeah. So like, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check it out for sure. Yeah, and it's not even the you know the like the full team doesn't even appear in this issue. There's no Aquaman. There's no Hot Girl. Uh, well, they appear, I mean, they may not just be relevant to the story, but it does kind of feel like the skeleton crew where only a few of them have shown up to this call because they're all feeling, mm-hmm. you know, despondent because of the whatever's happened to Jean. And, and maybe there'll be a reveal at the end that, you know, Jean's not really... But hell, maybe it'll be in contrary. Maybe this Alfred's actually Jean pretending to be Alfred and it'll turn uh-huh. out it's all been a ruse all along. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. I but, like that. But that would be a hell of a weird thing. It like... Uh, Make us think it's not in continuity, and then swerve us later on. Mm-hmm. But hey, there you go. Uh, Justice League: The Last Ride. I mean, even the title makes it sound like it's this one final time they come together. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Do they come at American Badass or Rolling? <laughs> I mean, Limp Biscuit or Kid Rock. I mean, what? <laughs> hey, you know, in current years, I will take Fred Durst to Kid Rock any day. So I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. I probably would yeah. too. There's definitely more Limp Biscuit oh. songs that I kind of like than uh, yeah. And, and, and Kid uh, Rock. the only good thing that Kid Rock has given us is that meme of him walking all spindly armed. You know, like you get the meme of me 
me talking about something I have no idea about, and it's like mm. this big his chest all puffed out, and he's walking to the ocean, you know. Uh, so his uh, best contribution to the world is that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably throw this like a a seven point five. Like it's it's good. Uh, I like kind of the plot that it sets up. It seems like a fun plot, but it does it does seem like a, a mini series that's not the important big story that's going on uh mm-hmm. which is maybe a bit of an indictment but it like i mean ultimately not everything's going to feel that way so uh it is what it is yeah uh so future state gotham issue one uh well i've written hoshia williams but uh joshia williams and <laughs> uh and yeah, say with a soft j and uh giannis milionianis i kind of got that go. right uh so that is, uh, so, did you remember this was going to be black and white? I was going to ask you the same thing. Well, the only reason I knew, I knew before I read it, but only because yeah. Connor mentioned it last week. Connor was like, did you yeah. know this was black and white? And I was like, no, no, no really, no. <laughs> Me neither. So, um, yeah. I'll just say, a little bit disappointed in this one. Okay. Um, just because the Future State story, that basically is a lead-in to this, I like the the cyberpunky neon-y stuff. And that doesn't hit as much in black, in black and, white. and white. Yeah. I mean, and there's and, some great ideas so, here. He, he fights a giant, yeah. uh, you know, mecha Scarface at the start yeah. of this. <laughs> Which, again, this is why I, Williamson is one of my favorite minds at DC right now, because why in a future story, why can't Wesker, his ventriloquism power, not have a mech? So now you have Mecha Scarface, right? Like, that's a mm. fun concept, and it is true to the ventriloquist, right? I Again, it just is missing a little bit of that charm of the cyberpunky neon, you know, even in the drab where it just, I don't know, this book feels half-baked. It's kind of, like it, it's, it's funny because there's nothing wrong with black and white black and white is good if you're going oh. for a moody noir if you're going for mm-hmm. like a horror book sometimes you know really benefits yeah. from black and white i mean but, walking dead so, was mostly black and white right pretty much all of it i think i mean they're redoing yeah. it in color but it was black and white right. originally but right you know it can be very moody it can feel very shadowy but the thing is yeah like future state was full of neon it was full of colors and it was bright and yeah. it was all this vivid stuff and it's kind of weird to have this book be in black and white. I thought that I thought that might be it might do the thing where there's like, like splashes of red or something. Mm-hmm, uh, but, because Red Hood. Yeah, but yeah. There, there isn't. Uh, yeah. So we find out that Red Hood, whoever he's working for, you because remember we had that tease in the Future State book of the person in the alley, which we assume was right. Bruce, but uh, we still don't know. Judging, for sure. No, judging from the the last page, I'm willing to say that it's not. Yeah. So. He's actually, the whole point of what he's doing is he's undercover, he's infiltrating the magistrate, and he actually, because of what goes down in this issue, which is after he takes down the big robot, uh, Scarface, he's mm-hmm. fighting and sort of competing a little bit with Magistrate or uh, Peacekeeper 3, and there's this giant sort of explosion and sort of rumbling, and they're running away from the, all the crumbling road, and then at the end of the, the scene, they sort of, and it's a fun, it's a well-drawn scene, the art's actually pretty good mm-hmm. in terms of the actual pacing and the action sequence, the big two-page spread, though, at the end of the scene is that this explosion, whatever's done it, has created a giant bat symbol crater in the middle of the city, which is very un-Batman, because this could have hurt a lot of people, right. Right? right? So they think this is the the new guy, and the person on the alley tells uh, mm-hmm. Jason, Jason that this is the new guy, uh, the, new, the new next Batman, right? And 
obviously i'm speculating can we trust this person in the alley because right. it doesn't seem like he would do that from what we've seen of him yeah. so uh-huh. uh but yeah he, he does actually get instated as peacekeeper red uh which is an official on a trial basis this is kind of like his trial yeah. run to right. hunt down the next batman as peacekeeper red so it's bringing in the next batman stuff presumably as well once we get the story going it does remind yeah. us that rose was with them and has left so that's still a factor so i like everything the story is doing uh mm-hmm. in that sense and the cliffhanger of course is that uh basically nightwing and the rest of the future state batman family show up and they're like okay we need to talk uh jason because you're yeah. being a bit of a bitch uh yeah. that's the cliffhanger effectively yeah so they, they they pull him up to beat him up you know um, yeah yeah, so, like, the person in the alley and whatnot, I'm wondering if it's there is the reason that he's convorting with him is the reason why Rose took off? Because we know that at the end mm-hmm. of that, they were fine at the end of the future state story, right? Like, she was supposed to bring him in, but then they, they said, oh, it was a glitch, yeah. you know? So I'm wondering if the person in the alley is the reason why she's not around. So it must yeah. be someone... That's a bad influence. So whether it's Slade, maybe Roz, because uh, I remember Future State teasing Roz a bunch, and we never got him. Um, I think so. you know, it's also important to point out that the ending. I, I kind of glossed over how he gets there at the end because I think it's actually kind yeah. of a nice detail that yeah. Jason actually goes to the rooftops to find the Bat Family because he wants to talk yeah. to them about the new Batman. Because because I think assuming he did do this explosion, he wants to go and say, "Hey, this guy's in over his head. We need to talk about him and deal with him." Right. And, you know, Dick, basically, seemingly not knowing that Jason's, you know, undercover or whatever, you know, and I think, like, Cass and Steph are behind him. I think Tim's there, uh, says, this is a family meeting. You know, basically, you're not welcome, and that's the final yeah. page, specifically. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the lack of colour here, like, I have no problem with a black and white book in the right context, no. but it, feel, it feels it feels like this is the wrong choice for a black and white book. Yep, 100%. And that's what left me a little disappointed, because I liked what I read. Yeah, you know, I, I like the story. I just wish, like, it would have pushed it over more if we got that re- I mean, the neon richness of it. He's called Peacekeeper Red, and he's got, like, a slightly new outfit because it's partly Peacekeeper and partly Red to his outfit. Yeah. And I don't really know what it looks like because there's no color. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. That's right. That was going to be my thing, too, is we, we named Peacekeeper Red, but y'all don't know that because this is a black and white. <laughs> you know? You have to imagine what the Red Hood looks like on the Peacekeeper outfit. Um, which I did like at the beginning where Peacekeeper 3, what he yells at him about is, you're a hunter, not a vigilante. You're doing vigilante stuff. So where where do your you know allegiances lie? He goes, I live down the street. I didn't want a mech crushing my stuff. You know, so it was all mm. very, still like that, that he's writing that line. That Yeah, we know he was doing vigilante stuff because that's him, right? But just the yeah. way that he has an antagonistic relationship with them. You know, I, I like the way that they showed that. And, the sto- yeah, the, the um, story's the story's really good. Actually, I'm mm-hmm. actually very much into this, especially since it is yeah. bringing in multiple parts of the Gotham mm-hmm. world. Uh, which it makes sense. It's, it's called Future State Gotham, just because Red right. is the main character. It is actually about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's just the baffling choice to make this a black and white book. I mean, this is a weird example because the coloring has been so good. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. want me to take it away, but you could do like Detective right now in black and white, for example. And it could be, it could fit the tone of the story because we're dealing with murders and zombies and, and whatever, and it could be a really nice, creepy, like, take on it. Now, admittedly, 
the wonderful colours of that book mean that I wouldn't want them to take it away, but it's just the first thing I could think of that would probably fit conceptually mm-hmm. with a black and white, you know, style. Or, you know, I'm sure there's other ones that uh, are out right now. But, I mean, yeah. ba- Batman is, generally lends himself to black and white, actually. Yeah, you know? definitely. And so, yeah, it's a, just that, the, again, that's my main disappointment, because even the art wasn't, like, not like in, in the, the story that we got in Future State, where, it would, you know... Kind of the the faces would go a little bit, you know, like I said, tin tin, kind of that mm. that cartoony style. There's a little bit of that, but not a lot. So, um, and it, and it helps when the majority of the, you know, when the main character wears a, a expressionless mask, you know, that helps that out a lot. So a lot of my my stuff that I found fault with earlier just isn't there. But like the action's all good. Um, so it's not much to complain about except the lack of color, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the art's actually very good in the motion. The, the, the bike chase, because that was one of the things that was good about that future sister was when yeah. there, was, there was a vehicle chase of some kind. And here mm-hmm. is the same thing. Like the, them, you know, riding and racing and trying to get away from the explosions is actually a really yeah. good sequence with that great payoff two-page spread. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. Uh, I, f- I feel like, you know, we're going to get to ratings here, you know, uh, what are you giving it? But... Uh, I'm I'm giving it a seven point five, you know. Would have would have been an eight if, if it, you know Red Hood was red. Uh, it's actually it's a very similar sentiment. I, I'm actually going a bit higher. I'm going to give it an eight, but it probably would have been eight point five yeah. if if this had color. I mean, hell, let's say the coloring was great and it had that great neon look to it. It may have been a nine even if the, if the coloring like really made it pop. But yeah, uh, but I'm sorry about an eight because I think the story's really compelling. I'm into like finding mm-hmm. out about what's going on in this world and uh everything that's going on and the the idea we have Before the. Un- we have the untrustworthy Bat family member as the undercover right. one. is just a yeah. good idea. He's so. getting a little bit close, right? Yeah. I was going to point out that Pete rated a Red Hood book higher than me. So, that's all. There's a surprisingly decent couple of Red Hood stories going on right now. It's I not know. my fault. It's not my fault. I know. Uh, I mean, speaking, Wait, go, DC? speaking of which, Batman Urban Legends issue three. Uh, various stories in here. They, they had to drop the 100-page book the same week as the, the anthology Gotham book, didn't they? <laughs> I have a feeling, though, that two of these we can breeze through, but, you know, the, yeah. the other main two, not so much. Um, so For sure, for uh, sure. I, it, yeah, it's, it's just the unfortunate timing in their, yeah. their schedule. Oh, actually, they even mentioned the backup. There's a, there's a backup on in, uh, uh, Future State Gotham, which was not that good. <laughs> I'll no, just... I, I kind of skimmed it because there's not a lot of words, and I have no idea what the story actually was. So, yeah. I will say, I, I, I did think the art was good at it, to be fair. The art was yeah. good, which is still black and white, but right. I, I I thought the, the the story didn't do much for me, so I'll just leave it there, we can move on. But <laughs> it existed. Cool. All right, so, Future State, Gotham, issue one, Joshua Elms, sorry. No? I just did that. Batman, Urban Legends, issue three. Various creators, we'll get to them in uh, a minute. So, um... Yeah, starting off with the the Red Hood story. Now, I will I'll start off with the slight negative, which I do think this is the the weakest chapter of this Red Hood story so far. Right, but it's a middle chapter, so we yeah. can kind of that's where the dip kind of is. Um, oh man, his Zdarsky writes a, a Bruce that I really don't like, so I love it. You know, <laughs> you didn't like Bruce giving the kid a lollipop? No, that wasn't. I I did like that, but just like him turning around and yelling at, at uh, Jason, you know, and then just dropping the kid off with, with Leslie. 
I don't know. It's just this Bruce is just kind of we're we're getting Bruce from Jason's perspective, right? Oh, so for there's, sure. Yeah. There's a lot of we're seeing his faults more, which I can see. But yeah, him pulling out the lollipop, I thought was a fun touch. And when he just looks at him, he's like, really? He's like, yeah, effective for distracting children in emergency scenes. Yes. It just, yeah. I mean, I, I like some of the this, these plot beats, though. I, I, I like, uh, you know, he goes to Leslie, says, can you look after this kid for a few days and we'll find something permanent for him afterwards? But yeah. I, I did like where she says, okay, I'm fine with this as long as you don't plan on making him a, a, a new Robin. And he says, yeah. no, this is about helping a Robin. And he looks at Jason as he yeah. says, I, I like that little moment. I thought that was I a nice, nice little yeah, touch. That was real good. Um, um, so, uh, what's funny uh, is that it, the, the Damien story in the anthology book uh, kind of made, I was thinking of that a little bit as I read this because yeah. uh, Jason essentially gets frustrated that Bruce wants to spend the day doing, like, you know, research and detective work mm-hmm. because, you know, the night times for going out as Batman and doing the physical right. stuff. Uh, but we see like a flashback of now he is Robin in the flashback with right. advanced further, and it's him getting impatient when Batman's studying a, t- a crime scene and going off to fight some a, a, a thug who he thinks might have witnessed something. Uh, and the the ultimate it's very Damien. Yeah, like him going, he's like, well, no, he's a criminal. We're gonna beat the piss out of him, right? And I was like, no, that's not what we do. He's like, well, well I'm confused, <laughs> like, cause I just saw you beat up some dude. Yeah. Um, Jason yeah. just assumes that this guy can't be trusted uh because yeah. he had, he has a past and Batman's like no he he's reformed he's actually been on the straight and narrow for a while people can change you know that's kind of part of the point of justice and Jason says no he's a thief and people don't change and right. Batman obviously hits him back with well didn't I meet you stealing my cars or my tires like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like so. you know, people people can maybe change uh, yeah, and that's a really nice sentiment, and I like the art in the in the backup. It feels very throwback, so um, that, that's a nice. Well, I mean, the, the whole issue kind of challenges it in a way because mm-hmm. Jason is kind of still doing the same thing because he does get mm-hmm. impatient, he does go off and try right. to do his own thing. Yeah, uh, so so leads him to getting into trouble. Um, I, I like they go to the lady that helped co-develop the the fear toxin, but yeah. originally it was meant for um crane psychiatric stuff and it wasn't nearly as potent but you know she feels a little bit yeah responsible I, for how he's i think it's know, Im- weaponized it it's important to to know that she didn't help a super villain make a fear toxin no. that was going to be used as a weapon she was she was making right. helping make something that was going to be used to treat patients that had a beneficial right. outcome uh but right. she still feels guilty as shit every time exactly. there's an, an attack yeah Right, and so I, I did like that. That was another little piece that adds complexity to this cheer drops. And that, you know, so that leads to them, you know, splitting and uh, Bruce, you know, goes to do his thing and Jason goes to do his, which is intimidating people, you know, hanging them off the side of a building. Um, uh, so again, I, that brings that back to like what you were saying with the, yeah. the story of and him is younger robin he has the location he asked he asked oracle to to help like you know what sort of mm-hmm. like how many guards is there like what sort of resistance am i looking at and oracle says look last time i helped you with information someone died you killed someone yeah. i don't really feel comfortable helping you mm-hmm. and he kind of convinces her by saying no I'm, I'm trying to make up for that i'm trying to do the right thing yeah. please and she does give in uh right but uh the, the cliffhanger of the story is that it is a trap and mm-hmm. Like, because so, I thought he was smelling something, so I yeah, didn't necessarily no. get what it was at first. But then he freezes yeah. at the bottom of the page, and the cliffhanger 
is that yeah. the person waiting for him at this location is none other than Mr. Freeze. We get a full page spread yeah. of him and he's, all his glory. Uh, so, curious to see where this goes uh, yep. next time. Um, so, the flashbacks mm-hmm. are, are alright, but they, they, they definitely feel like, a, I don't know if we need as many of them as, as we're getting. Yeah, no, but I do I do like the art style, so I'm okay with, with seeing them. <laughs> like, oh, sure. I like how much brighter it is than the main story. Like, even the coloring's a little bit different, so... Yeah, uh, and this does have three like artists it. on it, so there's, there's actually a, an extra artist to, I assume, help with the main yeah. story. Uh, Probably. So, you know. Uh, and then yeah. and the main art is... is you know, it's, it's, it's very... it's very, it's, it's, I mean, it's Barrows. It's, yeah, it's, it's serviceable. It's you know it's it's good places, mm-hmm. best shaky and others. Um, you know I I don't know if it's quite up to the consistency that he had in Detective Comics when he was doing that, right. but right. uh not not bad by any by any means. Uh, what were you rating this Red Hood? Uh, I'm I'm gonna give this one a seven. Yeah, I, don't know, I feel like I've given a lot of sevens this this uh, week. Yeah, uh, which makes a difference because last week you know I only had like four or five books, but I was like handing out right. eights, nines, and mm. was a good all week. It was a good week. Yeah. Uh, so then we move on to uh, our next story here, um, and we get a Ishiva story, which yeah. is a little interesting actually. So she basically comes to confront Batman. Uh, yeah. once they have a chat, very unshiva like, um, but once they t- you know talk about Cass, and it becomes just about, um. You know, taking my daughter away from me. Mm-hmm. It's this is one of these things where it, it kind of like rubs me the wrong way a little bit conceptually, just because I feel like sometimes they return to the same idea a little bit too often. Yep. And I feel like we've had you know we've had Shiva confront Batman over it's, this kind of thing before. It's regressive. Yeah. It's we we got to a point in Outsiders where she's like, look, clearly I'm not meant for this mother thing. She's still my daughter. I'm gonna keep an eye on her, but you're better at this than I would ever be. And yeah. I like that's where they left it. So her coming back and almost like <laughs> basically death by Batman. I mean, honestly, like I, I would probably the, the Jason Todd story, I'd probably be like less into that if I if I had forced myself to read a lot of Red Hood stuff because there is a lot sure. of Red Hood stories from what I understand that devolve into Batman says you can't kill yeah. in my city and Jason's working right. around it. Like so Right. Um, but because I've not read all that stuff, and because you know Zarsky's a good writer, like I'm enjoying yeah. it in the, in the in the here and now. But yeah. with this, you know, I I have seen them interact over cast before, fairly recently as well, and Batman yeah, the Outsiders, yeah. And they even reference it here, but yeah. So so the fact that their their whole conversation ends up with her, you know, attacking him with one of his own kitchen knives, you know, it, it, it does have a twist on it though. There's there's a twist yeah. at the end of it, which is. She actually wants to die, and like, essentially, right. once he like disarms her and holds her knife, she throws herself right. onto the knife, and says she's tired and it's time to go. Right. But she wakes up, uh, and you know, you know, in a bed, he's patched her up, yeah. uh, of course, and he takes her to the uh, the fair, the city fair, mm-hmm. and basically just shows that Cass is smiling and having fun with Duke and Steph playing mini golf, yeah. and. It's just kind of a sweet ending. So I did kind of like the ending, but yes, m- most of the, the story just kind of felt like, okay, we've had... You know. mm-hmm. and I don't know if it does anything with the story to really justify why she was ready to commit suicide. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, like, I it, get it. Like, it's very you, extreme. 
It is. And the fact like she was missing her sister, you know, like there. So I get it. Like she's longing to be a mother or to have family, but throwing yourself on the end of a knife that Batman's holding isn't going to help this, that, you know? This scene, this, this story feels like it should be at the end of a six issue comic miniseries that builds up to why she feels this way. It feels mm-hmm. like too big of an idea yeah. for the character to just sort of like, oh, she was willing to like throw herself and get herself killed by Batman. Yeah. But then like very quickly shown something that makes her smile and that's the end of it. It feels just right. too big dramatically to just squeeze into a, a short story like this. So, right. um, especially this is in continuity. Yeah. This is the incontinuity yeah. Shiva, which is the- yeah, cause she, she goes to his new place, right? Yeah. Like he talks about the neighbors. Yeah, that's right. That's know, right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, I mean, so again, I, and, and I've really come to like Shiva over the last couple months. Like it's a great character. I just, you know, mm-hmm. love the idea of this, this badass, you know, martial artist assassin lady um so yeah just and it seemed very out of character for her like and i like show us the disappointment mom thing like you said like she's missed out on her daughter's life because of the life she's chosen like that that's a plot point that's very relatable for a lot of people you know but yeah here it just it seemed to be missing a huge chunk yeah that's very, disappointing yeah very weird very weird uh some uh, some ideas towards the end but it just it felt like you can't yeah. just throw that in the belly nilly like I, that. I did love seeing her with Steph and Duke because that's a that's a nice oh, trinity. Sure. Yeah, you know the the you know I like seeing Cass have her support group. Yeah, there and, I mean, and they can all rely on each other. I'm saying Steph because there's no one else it could be. It's just it's just a blonde haired girl from the back. I mean, right. <laughs> I assume it's Steph. Well, it's not it's not Black Canary. You no. know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Stephanie Brown. Yeah, so could um, so, be Wonder Girl, but I don't know if they've ever. Really, I don't think so. Well, no, I mean, Outside of John's Teen Titans. Yeah, it just yeah. makes more sense that it's uh, yeah. based on our time together in the Bat family. It just makes more sense. Yep. Uh, so then we go to the next part of the Outsider story, uh, mm-hmm. which we... Essentially, it's a bit funny because it, it kind of like res- results in Katana saying, no, her and Jefferson are just friends. She does love him, yeah. but not in that way. Uh, to, well, her, yeah. to her in-law. Uh, meanwhile, uh, in the present day stuff, Metamorpho and Black Lightning are fighting a bunch of the goons uh, mm-hmm. as Katana is having this conversation with the in-law. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, it keeps cutting back to this flashback where Katana and yeah. uh, Jefferson are, are, yeah. are sparring mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they're training. And there is kind of like a sort of like almost romantic moment where they kind of land in each other. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it never actually, because you can, I guess it's kind of like subverting your expectations because you're expecting them to have a kiss or something because of yeah. like the story that's going on in the present day. But no, it actually kind of backs up what she's saying is that no, there is nothing romantic necessarily. Uh, even if it may still become that at some point, it's not there yeah, right now. Yeah, I, I do not want them to get rid of the tension. Yeah. I do like that. And I that that's something I feel came from Hill during his Outsiders run and Detective yeah. run. And I'd like that tension there, the will they, won't they type thing but the fact that she's literally carrying her husband with her in the sword you know like, makes it a bit weird but it, i think ultimately we do have to yeah. tell a story at some point where blackly or sorry Blackley, katana is allowed to move on you know is allowed yeah. to have a relationship exactly. so um i just don't think it needs to happen in an anthology book right like well you know like, it's but, interesting but that story happened in outsiders it does say at the end of this because uh, this yeah. is the last part of the story in, in this anthology it says continued in the fall of 2021 now it could just be a, a an arc in this book. It could be in, fu- uh, in sorry in the uh, Gotham Urban Legends or Batman Urban Legends. Yeah. I'm confusing the the two anthology style yeah. books. Um, yeah. 
Like, it could just be, like, this will get one of the, the bigger slots in this book, where it'll get the 20-page slot for, you know, six months, starting sometime later this year. Or it could yeah. be there is a miniseries planned or an event planned where some of these characters are going to be prominently featured. It's cool that there's plans for things. Joe, it's, you know, it's nice that there's multiple things this week, between this and the big anthology book, that said mm-hmm. to be continued later this year, but we, we, we don't know yeah. where, we don't know how, we don't know what book it's going to be in. Yeah. It's kind of it, nice. It, yeah, it reminds me of the when John used to end his big stories with like a trailer mm. page. Like I just remember seeing The Blackest Night being teased like two years in advance. Uh, and just how cool that was. Like comics don't re- usually do that. So to see that here in, in Festival of Heroes and then and uh, in, in this one and just the, you know, bringing Duke in as an outsider and then someone different. Like who's this somebody different? You yeah. know, and he has a smile. That's right, so, yeah, I didn't mention that, the tease of the fifth yeah. member. Like, he says, okay, we've got the three of us, Duke's going to be joining, and then yeah. there's a fifth one, someone a bit different, which to me says someone who's not been an outsider before. Yeah, exactly. So who could it be? And that's very... Which it's actually, it's, and it is kind of neat that it's like, okay, Duke represents the new generation of outsiders because he was in the past book. Metamorpho and represents he, the original. I mean, so does Black Lightning and stuff. Yeah, but, and Katana. Yeah, you know, but 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 the yeah. idea that they brought Metamorpho back. So if you if you think of Black Lightning yeah. and Katana as the through line that are keeping everything mm-hmm. running, Metamorpho yeah. represents the old, Duke represents the new, and then there's going to be an actual new person who's never yeah. been in Black, uh, who's never been in the Outsiders. So that's yeah, that's cool. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, my money's on Kite Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm disappointed you didn't say Cold Snap. Well, see, Kite Man, I can see having the uh, the redemption yeah. and becoming a hero. That's Cold, true. Cold Snap's a villain. He's a villain through and through. True. There's no, oh, yeah. No changing that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, 7 out of 10, I think, for me on this. It's, it's, it's you know, I like what it does. Yeah, it's, I feel like... Yeah, a little bit more. I feel me. like this three-parter could have just been one longer story and one issue rather than being split into three, but that's kind <sighs> of... I, I remember the, the end of the first one? It was... Black Lightning trapped in Metamorpho yeah. as a prison. I want more of that. Like, what, what, how, how do you get out? Like, how did Metamorpho get himself into that scramble? Yeah. You know? I'm not even saying separate it into a, into a one-shot. I'm just saying, no. instead of having the two short stories in the middle yeah. uh, for one issue, just have this right. be a 20-something 20, 20 page story in one, one go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, and the final story, of course, is the, the Grifter story where he's infiltrating Wayne Enterprises, the key card. Uh, he's actually, despite the disgust when they first met, the uh, mm-hmm. security lady who's his boss, technically, yeah. uh, he has slept with her. Uh, Shacks up with her. But she, uh, she she discards him. She's the one who's like, hey, I called you a cab. Yeah. Get dressed. You're going. Yeah, beat it, nerd. But he uh, did clone her computer so that mm-hmm. him and whoever he's talking to can get into Wayne's systems. Yeah. <laughs> Here's here's my take on this story, just real quick. I I am so glad that Rosenberg loves Grifter. I just wish I like Grifter as much as Rosenberg does. <laughs> this I get it. This is business intrigue, and I am I'm just like this story would not finish. Like it didn't have that fun. Like when Lucius got kidnapped, that was in this book, right? Is that the uh... last issue? Yeah, that was like the, the end of issue one, start issue two. Or, okay. Yeah, I think so. I just, this one's going on. I don't know who he's talking to on the other end still. Um, and there's actually nothing wrong with this book. I just can't find myself caring about 
there, I mean, the, the big thing, you so know? you got a scene with uh, Bruce talking to him and sort of mm-hmm. having this kind of like tense discussion over him having a burger. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, no continuity here because the last time I saw Bruce when he ate a burger, he, he used cutlery and there was jokes about it. So now he's eating a burger properly. Is, it, is that them showing me that he's, he's grown, that he's gotten better? Yeah. Well, Bruce Wayne in the cave uses cutlery, but maybe Bruce Wayne at Wayne Enterprise picks it up because no, it's no, normal human no. behavior. It was at the no? Bat Burger fast food place. This all happened. Ah, shoot. So, yeah. My tablet died in the middle of that when we were talking there, so I was, like, scrambling yeah. for the power cable. Gotcha. Just to, gotcha. Uh, so, um... I do like the cliffhanger. I like that final page. They are, I think, it's really good in that final page, the spread yeah. where he's sneaking about where he's not supposed to and Bruce and Lucius come up in the elevator so he's like dangling mm-hmm. out of the building, kind of like uh, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Yeah. He's just kind of dangling up in the skyscraper. Uh, I like that uh, final image. So I'm yeah. I'm into, I'm I'm still into what it's doing. It's it kind of suffers from almost yeah. what the Red Hood one suffers from. It's that middle chapter, where it, yeah, I just this one kept going. At least with the Red Hood one, I was enjoying it enough mm. that this one though, like I I was reading it before bed and I looked, I was like, man, I still got like six pages left. You know, so I, I left it for the next day. Yeah. Um, That's it, though. This one does start yeah. with a flashback that reveals that someone yeah. has hired him to specifically do, to this. do so, this. So their first meeting yeah. of, like, okay, yeah. we want you to invade Wayne Enterprises, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So yeah. it. And again, I'm happy that Matt Rosenberg is getting to write what seems like there's a lot of passion for the character here. It just doesn't translate to me, you know? Like, I'm, I'm sure, like, if I wrote a Guy Gardner story and you read it, you'd be like, <laughs> okay i don't i don't care that much about guy gardner but I'm, I'm happy you're happy you know that's how i feel with the scripture story yeah there is the grifter batman scene uh we're in the middle of the two-page layout batman like you know takes apart his guns and his hands and he's like that's again that was a, neat touch. a lot of fun stuff in there yeah, that, yeah. That, that's one of the fun that's right I'll, I'll retract what i said about the fun stuff felt like it was missing that was a good one and you know these are useless now you know like, yeah so yeah yeah uh, all right we've um, I'll give this a seven. Yeah, last seven. So I'm in the sevens, but I, I think I'm probably going to agree with the seven uh, yeah. on this story. Uh, so there you go. That's Batman: Urban Legends. Uh, all four mm-hmm. stories. So cool. Rorschach, issue eight. Tom King, Jorge Farnes. Uh, so that, this is the real part of the show. The rest of it's all been a prelude to to the Rorschach conversation. <laughs> and I'm watching the clock guy, and I'm so hungry. And then we still have Rorschach, which I have a lot to say about. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm also pretty hungry. I, I've got a new game to play as well, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah. So, well, uh, well, I'll try to make this brief as much as I can. It's not happening. Um, <laughs> I'll yeah. tell you right now, it's not happening. Yeah. So, the structure of this this issue is that mm-hmm. our, our investigator is interviewing three people, and each page is essentially split into a third. Now, it's not three panels, like. Each no. page has different layouts of the panels within each third. But yeah. they also have a color tint after the first page as well, where yeah. the uh, the top one, which red. is red, which is the mm-hmm. the uh, the lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. And then the second one, the middle one is green, which is a psychiatrist. And then the bottom one is blue, which is kind of the like the handyman, handyman kind of helper guy, right? Yeah. And, and, and I like that each of their, their, not costumes, but their wearing gives that color. Right, so in the beginning, the mm-hmm. the lawyer's wearing like a red shirt, the psychiatrist's wearing like a green vest, and the uh, the handyman's wearing a Dodgers hat, like a blue. Yeah. So that colors the story as they're telling it. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever, whenever it's, it's a great co- storytelling device. Whenever it comes back to the interrogation room, we don't have the tints, mm-hmm. right? It's just no. there and you right. know plain. Uh, 
Um, what, what I liked about the layouts in this, though, a lot, is there's a couple of really good ones. I think it's this, the first time we go back to the the interrogation after the, some of the stories have been told, mm-hmm. is we get, like, a... Um, oh, I'm trying to find it so I can say it properly. Uh, well, in fact, no, it's, it's actually the third time, I think, or the second time. Yeah, oh, when no, he gets across no. the room. No, it's the, it's the second time. But I was, it was more so much the second page, but it does happen in the first page yeah. as well to an extent, is that the way it's split up is you have, like, the inspector get up and he walks over to the other person. Mm-hmm. And they get, and it's worth mentioning, they have bruises, they've got some blood coming out of their mouth. Yeah. There's, there's been some, you know, mean interrogation tactics. Yeah. Off panel. Good cop, bad cop, but there's no good cop. <laughs> yeah. But I really liked on the following page when he does punch them. Like, mm-hmm. when he walks back and sits down, like, the, the, the way it just carries the pacing throughout the page as you're reading it. Bornez is a master at this, because we've said this. He yeah, does something I, like this in every issue so far. Th- there's nothing, there, there's nothing more impressive to me in comic book art, in sequential comic book yeah. art, than making me feel a pace where mm-hmm. I can actually feel the beats of the scene play out as if I was watching a movie where I can feel each step and I can feel the... Mm-hmm. The, the camera move as it were like it it's so impressive and it does it so magically through this this uh these layouts so really good stuff but yeah so this is all them being interviewed based on an event that happened uh, before of course the assassination attempt which is the mm-hmm. kid in Meyerson asked them all to come out to this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in the mm-hmm. desert and it's funny because the handyman is the last one on the page, but he was first to actually be there he's because the first one there because yeah. he's the one who helps build the the thing that we're going to get to in a minute, um, right? And you know we have we have them tell a story, and I was actually I was looking at the layouts because obviously the way this works is that they're all in like little panels Thirds. in each third, but they're all in little mm-hmm. panels, and then the, the narration telling the story is in just the white the white background, right, where there's no mm-hmm. panel in the empty space, yeah. So they kind of make shapes, and I was kind of looking at them and going, do these like form letters or symbols that I can kind of say or something? Mm-mm. Is there some sort of hidden code going on? They make, it's like they're puzzle pieces. I feel and yeah. It's like, te- it's like Tetris, right? They're all kind of Tetris shapes. And then if you push them together, you get the full, you know, right? Mm. Or there's pieces missing on certain ones. Yeah, it's, uh, it's super interesting. So good. So, yeah, and they're all out there for obviously different reasons, right? So the handyman's there to help build something, uh, which mm-hmm. we'll get to in a bit. Uh, psychiatrist there, because this psychiatrist has been seeing Myerson for a long time, mentions yep. that his father, who was a psychiatrist, was his you know, doctor before him. So, so that reminded me of the new Rorschach from Doomsday Clock. Yes. Right? Because that was, uh, what's Rorschach's real name? Um, uh, Kovacs. Kovacs. So Walter Kovacs is therapist right um so that felt like a familiar piece there uh and that again can't be by accident so well once we get to the end we'll talk about theories but i yeah i have a theory about that yeah and the uh the lawyer's there to talk about mm-hmm. the distribution of myerson's money you know to update his will mm-hmm. uh in the event of his death and yep. it's, it's all basically going back to the kid's hometown and like the making sure that's all like maintained. yeah the, specifically yeah. the graveyard the miners yeah. graveyard yeah yeah because yeah, maybe there was so much backstory about that mine and like what happened yep. there uh so mm-hmm. that that's kind of why they're all there right and it's them telling their stories about going out there uh, and they were all paid to go there 
by Frank Miller, right? That was like one of that's why he's tracked mm-hmm. all these people down. <laughs> it's so, so crazy to read a book where Frank you know, Miller's the character. You know what's so funny? He's basically Frank Miller. What's so funny is that early on he's referenced by one of the characters to say Mr. Miller sent me this check. Yeah. And I went, Mr. Miller, who's Mr. Miller? And then it, then it dawned on me who they were talking about. I was like, oh yeah, Frank Miller. Because <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, in the yeah. book of last issue. Yeah. Uh, so they're telling us, and it's, again, it's very methodical. And the way... It, you know, the way it even inserts some of the panels of the, in, the investigator, like, asking the questions mm-hmm. without the tint into the thirds is also yeah. really good. Like, it's, there's just so, this pacing. Yeah, I want to I wanna talk about that, too, is that as it goes, right, it's like he's piecing their stories together, and the, the more that we hear their stories, the more it comes together. So there's less of that space in between the panels and a lot less of the the white there. So by the time you get to the the page where they're all on the stand looking at the stage. It's a full picture. Yeah. The full full panels. Yeah. Yeah. And more specifically, they're they're full thirds, I guess to really describe it. Right. And then as he's trying to piece, he goes, okay, that's where the stories line up where they're all the same. And then as it gets back and you start to not itemize, you start to isolate each of the other characters. That's where that starts to get the white spaces again, right? Where he's trying to fill in the story. Uh, until you get to the last couple pages and there's no more blank, right? We're back in the present um, where he has the information he needs, you know? Yeah, and uh, obviously a lot of this is like he's asking them, you know, what were Myers and the kid like? And they talk about them. Oh, they didn't seem like they were going to try and assassinate someone. Yeah, it's weird that he's wearing this Rorschach mask, but, yeah. you know, the kid was sweet. He, you know, he was always a bit weird, but nothing dangerous. And it all feels like they had this experience, which should have been slightly concerning to them and mm-hmm. they don't seem to be which is why i think you know when you get to the end and they have their creepy moment which you know it yeah. kind of hits because it's kind of a, a surprise and a twist um mm-hmm. oh you mix one matt in the traditional way mm-hmm. <laughs> now we have to specify now, now we have to specify because there's two weird things that i'll do um but yeah so, so they build this tower and a stage right or maybe it's the towers are there it may just be a tower that's naturally there but they build a stage, like so they can practice the the aim, the the idea that they're mimicking the distance of the arena, of which this this you know governor presidential debate is going to take place, mm-hmm. and these these three are they're taken up there and they're told to try and hit the target, which we don't see till later is actually a, a little watchman button, the smiley face, the, yeah, right? the comedian. So it's a tiny target, like this is like uh-huh. you know headshot practice almost because it's such a small target. And and they all talk about how, yeah, with that gun you could do it, but not at that distance. Like yeah. it was almost an impossible task. But the kid never missed. Yeah, and there's more of that political thing where this is anti left wing because they talk yeah. about how Redford took away the guns that could do this. You, you weren't allowed to right. buy them anymore. Right. Uh, th- but these are like old fashioned rifles. But the kid who's been working with guns since she was well, literally a kid, um, mm-hmm. is so good at this. And like you say, there's that gorgeous two page uh, layout where it's the three full thirds. But there are those little, like, sort of indents where it does a mm-hmm. square around where they are in the tower yeah. and where the target is, which is a really nice thing. Um, mm-hmm. And they're telling the story, and this is the thing, because they're kind of intersecting, because they're all on each page, it, you know, you get mm-hmm. this sort of overall picture of them just not being able to do it. And I, I, I like the psychiatrist specifically talking about how if you weren't careful the shell that comes out of the gun when you fire, it's right. really hot and it could go into your shirt. Like, you may get unlucky enough that it might fall into your shirt and it'd be really hot. Mm-hmm. So, I like that detail. 
But they're trying to hit yeah. this this target, which is the smelly face. It's just a pile of sandbags, and you've got this smelly mm-hmm. button on it. And then she takes the gun, and mm-hmm. taking almost no time to aim, gets a direct hit. And in each of the panels, you see the... For some reason, like, I don't know if it was maybe implying it was paint pellets, and or if it was just more of a metaphor, but you get the classic blood sliding down the Watchman Smiley button uh, yeah. g- going throughout the page t- until it's actually dripped down like the classic image. Mm-hmm. And it's a really, really great page. The way it's sort of building up, it really feels like, yeah, this is all practice for something. And they're talking about how they seem like really happy and pleasant and content living in this middle of nowhere. And they all say they leave without incident. And you know, they're all there for a few days each. And yeah. they all come home, they pack, get in the car and fly home. And it's at that point where we actually get a flashback to sort of what happened at the end of the last issue, which mm-hmm. is the arrest of Frank Miller, where he does yeah. the, the classic thing where they take off his Rorschach mask and he's yelling, yep. give me give me it back, give me my, back my face. Right. Classic stuff. And that's obviously... Um, and it's investigating what he's done so it's led to these three characters. Right, so that they gave him name because he's paid them the money. Yeah. Right, that he was acting for uh, Meyerson. Uh, there, there was a piece here that we we'd speculated, or you knew that this was in the the TV show continuity. Mm-hmm. There's a talk about when they're talking about the mask. He goes, "Oh, the the cops in the Midwest wear masks all the time." Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a a little piece of this too. Yeah, well, it's, it's all the it's all the Redford talk that I think put it in the TV. Yeah. Continuity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was an, an interesting piece too because. It's when they start talking about the mask with with Miller, and and all of this is that the the our investigator gets gets mad because he says doing these visits in person is ridiculous. Accepting that the mask is is ridiculous. You went there for a reason. You're telling this part of the story now for a reason. Why do your stories match so well? Yeah, that's what he says. The stories match so well, and we saw we saw it really match at the and yep. it did that thing where even when they were all lying in the same guest bedroom. Mm-hmm. It showed yep. you them in the exact same frame. I mean, the, the panel layout was different because it was different blocks we were seeing. Right. But they were all lying. The bed was at the same angle. It was almost oh. like uh, Fornes probably even didn't draw it three times. Like, he drew the pair. Right. Obviously, he drew the different people. But I can imagine that Fornes, to make sure it was identical, mm-hmm. just copied his art of the bed in the yeah, room. Yeah, they're, they're little. Yeah, it's like you're, you're zooming in on the room, but you can tell it's the same room. Yeah. You know? But it's the exact same framing and layout, uh, just yep. with different panels, sort of like windows looking into it, and yeah, and then you get to the, the actual like practicing the shots, and it is exactly the same moments yep. happening, and it is it's like everything's lining up. And part of me is thinking, is he going off the you know off the deep end here? Is he maybe assuming too much because the stories do match up too perfectly? And then when he gets really mad, he punches them all again. He yells at them, "What's going on?" You know, this was very specific. You know, the stories match so well. Why the emphasis on how happy they were? Why the stage, the range, uh, on her being good shot, all of it matching? You're leading the conversation. It's like they're. Tr- it's like something's trying to get through to him. There's, there's a message mm-hmm. for him specifically. And he says, what the hell is going on? And then you get this this page where it's just the, the, the three thirds, them in the dark in the interrogation room. And mm-hmm. they all have this creepy smile and it sort of splits it up, and they all say the same thing, but you get it like told like sequentially through the three of them, yeah. where it says, "Oh, it's you. I've been waiting for you," and it's like they're members of a cult. Yeah, it, it's, it's like they've been brainwashed by Myerson and the kid, and 
you know, like, who knows if anything they've told them actually happened? Did any of it happen as they said it? Is it mostly right up until the shooting range, but then after that there is more to, like, what convinced them or what converted them mm-hmm. or or whatever? Because, you know, I, I think you brought up the original psychiatrist with, with yeah. Rorschach. Part of that, especially as we, you know, and in, in that issue in the original book where you know how much it got to him, how much he was starting to question his own sanity. He, yeah. he never, he never converted to Rorschach's way of thinking. Yeah. But it definitely is not a giant leap to think that Rorschach or a Rorschach could pull that left off. Left an imprint. Yeah. yeah, left an imprint on him, and so it's almost as if the spirit of Rorschach isn't actually the spirit; it's this mentality. And Myerson and Kid were able to instill that mentality into each three of these people. Yeah. Right through whatever acts that it were, and and that's what bringing up the psychiatrist. That's part of the story. That's giving the investigator the clue because they, they the spirit of Rorschach wants him to figure this out. And if you look, he's using Rorschach's methods. We saw this time and again in the original story of of Rorschach, you know, investigating, which is just punching guys until they tell him what he wants to hear. This is going to sound insane because, you know, obviously yeah. they have the bodies and stuff, but part of me is expecting, like, a reveal, like, it wasn't really Myerson or the kid who was there at, yeah, yeah. On, the, on the day itself. Like, yeah. I'm starting to get I, that feeling that they've got some master plan where they they want him to get this close and figure certain things out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is the whole point of this book is to eventually convert our main character into their way mm-hmm. of thinking? Is this a whole thing about brainwashing him or about convincing him of like which side he should be on yeah and that you know because he's being paid by turley right yeah we know he doesn't like turley from from other interactions and then the the thing that he mentions after he says it's like a cult if i ask the right question i get the right answer the squids are here and don't forget what the kid's dad what his whole belief was yeah is that the squids are mind controlling everybody so if the squids, who are the squids, you know, is, are the squids, have they taken up basically being the opposition that it's Myerson and the kid that that that's their mission now is that we're going to infect people with what we feel is, you know, how they need to be. Is this the, the idea of, of a virus, not an actual virus, but like thought as a virus it's, it's, it's basically out, taking the idea you know? of of uh, propaganda and manipulation, yeah. but turn it up because because it's a fictional story. You right. turn it up to eleven, and you're literally changing right. the minds into being brainwashed by it. Uh, right. Which, to a point, you, one could argue that some of this does happen anyway. That people do get brainwashed by yeah. media and things like that. But this is taking it to a, another step. Well, it's turning it up. Yeah. Right. It's turning it up, and that's why I feel like this is a masterpiece because you know. We've talked and talked and talked. Tom King was in the CIA. He he knows the the different methods that they use to change the narratives on things, you know. And so uh, him, I feel like this is him kind of tipping the hand of this is how this stuff happens. Like it seems innocuous, right? Lawyer comes to the house. This is what they're doing. Something happened there that led to them, you know, sharing the beliefs of Myerson and the kid. You know, and we've even seen what the kid has done by, you know, getting the circus strongman to believe that he's reincarnated spirit of Rorschach. Yeah, no, that already happened. And yeah. And I think so, it's important here that these are three very different people. They're all they're all yeah. 
very different backgrounds, very different yep. professions, very different attitudes, right. and all of them are seemingly converted in a very creepy way by the yep. end of this issue. Right, and these are supposed to be our heroes. I mean, well, for not, I shouldn't say heroes. These are, you know, from what we've seen, they were trying to commit a, you know, an assassination of a political candidate. But we've seen that political candidate isn't a good person, you know? Um, so, for lack of a better term, these are our, you know, heroes, and, and yet their methods seem to be no different than Turley's, right? The way that Turley talks about, you know, or, or in that, that second or third issue, you know, the, the whole idea of a real American and whatnot. Just yeah. the idea that that this from from now the Rorschach perspective, you know what what does that mean? What is that other? I mean, because you go back to the squids, the, the, the squids mm-hmm. just a metaphor for the opposition, uh, right. or is it actually a complete you know alien? Because this is the thing, because this world believes that an actual squid did kill right. all these people, it also makes complete sense they would actually believe the squids are coming, uh, right. and the squids are here and are manipulating but, people. Um, but we know where that came from. From from V, and that was a you know genetically engineered thing. So, yeah, but these characters don't know that, which is no, uh, you know. So what? But what does that mean with the for their purpose? Because we know it's all a sham built by V, but how belief was able to go in and change these people, you know, for some for the better, maybe some for the worse. And like, don't forget, she never missed, but she somehow missed Turley. Well, that that that's the thing that that's what tells yeah. me something's not right about the yeah. assassination attempt, because right. she hit every single time, and it's like mm-hmm. the kid in Myerson wanted this inspector to know mm-hmm. that she never misses. Right. So why did she miss on that day? Right. Um, right. And and okay, and maybe even I'll I'll accept. Okay, maybe there won't be some twist where they're actually not dead, and it was them that day. They did die, right. but the whole point of like him getting to this realization that she intentionally missed meant right. that the real so they could uncover whatever well not actually uncovered that uh, what i'm trying to say is they intentionally missed because the whole the the, the plan wasn't to assassinate this guy right. the plan was to turn our main character into something or have right. him right get, that's get, what i mean the yeah. uncovering as he goes along this path it that, that they manipulated the events that lead to him getting yeah. married. Well, what I'm, right. what, I'm, what I'm really saying is, though, it may not be it may not be him uncovering something. It may be him right. being manipulated into something. It may be him being right. put into a, a position where he'll right. do something that they want him to do, whatever that goal is. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there'll be a bit of a swerve and we, that we can't predict as to what, what their real intentions actually are. I mean, right. if, if it turns out that the assassination of Turley is nothing but a... Uh, a part of a plan to actually initiate something else, then what actually is the ultimate goal? Which, that is totally V, though, right? Like, he, that was his plan. Yeah. His or, plan was all these steps, like, what do you mean, you, I'm gonna stop it, it happened 20 minutes ago. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah I would go I'd go even further and just say it's very Watchmen. Like, you know, it's just right. the, the cool idea of Watchmen right. is that this character, we we're trying to put all these species together the whole time, much mm-hmm. like our main character, but the, the idea being that He's being played, or whatever's really going on, we're not even touching at yet because right. it's the, the whole point is that this is a misdirection, that this is putting him in a place where he'll do the right thing right. for, you know, 
in the in the eyes of the person who set it all up. Right. And we're, we're two-thirds. This is 12 issues, right? Yeah, 12 issues. So we're, we're, we're two-thirds of the way through with this now. You know, so this is this would be where the third act starts. Um, and yeah, man, just this is the type of stuff that I love from King. This is my favorite book of his thus far uh, through through eight. You know, and I loved Mr. Miracle. I mean, it, it took me a minute to get into it. Mm-hmm. You know, that first issue kind of broke my brain. I don't know if I liked it. I'm loving Strange Adventures. But like this, what this is doing, just with the way that it's telling stories and what the story that's being told and how that relates to the real world and just the whole idea of the meta everything here too because we don't know actually what happened on that farm in that farmhouse we know what they're telling us and how it lines up perfectly but are we you know they want him to believe that she never missed but we don't know that you know so no um it's just like i'm inclined to believe that it's true though i'm inclined to believe that part is true because of what because of what we've heard from her so far that she never misses right but still, it's this whole point of their stories line up perfectly. They wanted me to get to a point. I, I, I guess leading me along, you know. But I, I think the reason why I believe it, and I believe most of what they actually say, there's just there's okay. more they're not saying. But I believe most of what they're saying in the story purely because it's like, no, we're going to this is going to work because it's still the truth. Even even though there's extra parts to it and there's manipulation True. and they're brainwashed, I think the point is that this part's still going to work. Because they, she really doesn't miss. They really saw her not miss, and you know, regardless of anything else, that detail is true because that's what affects everything. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm inclined to think my my gut instinct says that's real. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know who to trust, and I think that's the point too. Is yes. I'm just I'm just as lost as our main character in this, and I'm not frustrated because I'm enjoying everything. Also, I now I want to go back and read this in the way where you just read all the red story and then all the green, then all the blue. Sure. Because I read this like a regular comic page by page. And, you know, again, it reminds me of the fearful symmetry issue of Watchmen that could be, you know, that you can read backwards and forwards. Yeah. Um, I I think it's intended to be read traditionally first, at least, but yeah, there's probably some merit in doing it that way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, King and Fornes, this is one of my favorite teams. I, I, and I remember when this book was announced, I was not stoked because I was Rorschached out, you know, just certain, certain types well, of people, I, 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 that character. And I think you know? at the time you were, you, you immediately assumed, oh, they're somehow bringing Rorschach back. And that's not yeah. what this is. This is not. Yeah, not at all. What, well, and, and I was a little on the outs with King on top of it too, right? Like Because it's right around he was in crisis. Yeah. It was still fresh and, you know, but no, man, this is this type of stuff I feel that he's built for. Yeah. You know, I, standalone I, stories. Because, I, I mean, I, I wasn't sure about anything, but I think I remember saying, well, we don't know what's actually Rorschach, Rorschach. It could right. be someone else wearing the mask. It could be a number of things. Because right. right. especially since, you know, Watchmen, it was like, oh, how's Rorschach back? Oh, it's someone else wearing the mask. Right. So right. it was like, okay, so let's see how this this works. And, um, yeah, this has been one of the best things uh, that's been coming out from DC in the last, you know, Easily. What, you know eight months, I guess, now, because it's issue yep. eight. So uh, what are you rating... Uh, Rorschach, and we did talk about uh, the art. We talked about the pals, the layouts, yeah. all that stuff. How, how, this is a nine point five. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Uh, I'm just gonna go to flat nine. We go to flat nine. 
Yeah. Other, other other issues have wowed me that little bit more. So I'll I'll just go the flat nine. But yeah. Fair. I don't I think the lowest rating I've given this book is maybe an eight point five. And that was like mm-hmm. the, the low point of the, the, the whole thing. Yeah. Was an this book has been killing. I look forward to it. It's the last thing I read every every time it's up, just because I want to save it. Mm-hmm. You know, because. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's just it's very very good. It's usually the last. I actually had Urban Legends last after Rorschach, yeah. and and it was basically just because in case I just couldn't read one more, I thought I yeah. want. I'm not going to. I'm not going to not fair. read Rorschach. So right. if something gets that's dropped fair. from the end of Urban Legends, I, I won't feel as bad. Yeah. But I, I did get well, it done. Obviously, I was but. hustling all week to get through Festival of Heroes. And, and urban legend so i would have enough time to read and process rorschach yeah you know and, and we're doing this on a short week already you know so it, it's been a lot of comic reading <laughs> yes big, big big week uh so there you go that takes us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff for the week we do our panel slash moment favorite art favorite cover and of course our top uh five books and we actually have more than five books that we both had seven so this should be an interesting yeah. uh selection process um, because I I would actually say eight total books sounds like a normal amount. It just so happens that two of them are really really big. They're massive. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So, kicking off then with panel slash moment of the week, and what from Rorschach is it, man? <laughs> yeah, there's so many though. You know, it's hard to pick just one. Um, but I'm gonna go with the you know the towards the back where it's got all three of the guys, and they just give the creepy cult answer. Especially the bottom panel, the guy in the, the you know the handyman in the Dodger hat has this bloody nose that's running down into his face, and it's just yeah. So we I've been waiting for you, and just with the way that the the speech bubbles are, they're you know they're not perfectly round, they're very sketchy. Yeah, it's so creepy. Yeah, it really made that book work. Yeah, I think I think I need to go with because uh, I like a lot of the little moments. I like like when they make their observations about the kid and her being like a nice mm-hmm. young girl and like how she's really friendly with them uh like you know it does that thing where it does like a small close-up panel and she's like mm-hmm. just like making breakfast or something the idea that the, the, there was an atmosphere and stuff like that but ultimately i have to go with when she hits the the button like the the, the, mm-hmm. the, the those three panels and the three colors but the, the blood sort of dripping down it i mean obviously it's a fairly easy choice because it's such an iconic mo- like sort of imagery that they're using a bit uh it just it makes this point like no she can do this and it's not just that it's a cool moment in concept but it's what it means for the start of the whole story that wait well why did she miss then um right so it it just it opens up this door of speculation that's just fascinating so uh so there you go uh best cover of the week i suppose i'll go first with this one Mm -hmm. um there's a few good ones. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll appreciate the spookier variant for Wonder Woman. I'm not always into the mm-hmm. Wonder Woman variants like you, yep. Connor, are, but I, like that. I did like the the Rorschach variant where he's standing in the the mm-hmm. rain, the the mist, and the city. Yep. I thought it looked good. Uh, Justice League's all right as well, the variant. But I'm going to have to go with the Art Germ uh, Festival of Heroes cover. It's Cassandra Kane. Mm, look at this. Uh, it, I mean, you know. It was it was almost the Rorschach variant, but ultimately yeah. I I had to go with the casket and the the the, the front cover treatment here. Uh, oh yeah, oh, that is, I don't even like Art Germ as much as you do, but that is a good cover. So sometimes these faces are a bit too on the cute side, and it, it yeah. is it is virgin on that. But I do yeah. love 
So something that's been talked about enough is texture of material. I yeah. love the, the look of the texture of the suit. Yeah. Well, there's that and just her confidence as someone's pulled a knife on her. Mm-hmm. Just that smirk. And you're just like, this guy's done. He doesn't even know it. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah, it gets across real well. Uh, so what's yours? Yeah, uh, mine's the Wonder Woman cover. It's a Middleton. It's very spooky. She's in the Land of the Dead. She's got that green behind it. It's just, it's really good. Cool. Uh, art of the week that we got. Any <laughs> okay. question? I mean, there's it's a lot of good art. Yeah, it's as far as yeah, it's... it's. It really is a co-lead led book. I feel like like as much as I want to give credit to King, it Fornes putting it onto the page as effectively. Like they're working so well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time it has to be Fornes until until he lets me down and hasn't been yet. Or until there's just extreme competition that. Yeah just steals it away but, but that would be impressive but even even then a lot of the art that, that came up this week was in smaller chunks so those festival of heroes yeah, yeah. legends you know it's not a full 40 page book that's consistent across the board you know wonder woman was close and maybe uh Milanianis for um for future state gotham but you know if that was colored maybe mm-hmm. that's not true it wouldn't be close to, to fornis it's fornis but still yeah, yeah, it's four nights for me too. I mean, yeah. this, this, uh, it, there's no competition for me this week on that. Uh, all right, top top five, go for it. All right, now number one is Rorschach. Two is I don't even remember what I gave the rest of them. It's been a long show. Um, two I'll give to Superman. Three Festival of Heroes. Four Wonder Woman, and five Urban Legends. Right? Yeah. I can't remember. Let's just say that. Yeah, number one for me is Rorschach uh, pretty easily. After that, I gave a lot of 7s and 7.5, so I'm going to have to mm-hmm. think about this a little bit more than I normally do. Um, I feel like... Despite the disappointment of, of the, the wacky choice not to have colour in Future State Gotham, I think I might put that in number two. But there was a lot of things really close together at that point. I'll, I'll give then... Uh, Batman Detective, then Just League Last Ride, and then I think Superman maybe at number five is mm. probably where I'm going to. Actually, Very different list this week. Yeah, I th- I'm thinking about Festival of Heroes, but I don't, I don't know where to place that because it's such a big anthology. That's book. why I put it in the middle. Yeah, so because there's again nothing in there that I really disliked. So yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, but there's a yeah, that's a weird one. I'm gonna I'm just I'm going to classify that as unrankable. <laughs> and just sort of give the top five again. Okay. But there you go. That is uh the, the the best books of the week from us. So what is coming next week, you may ask. So Matt will not be here next week. It'll be a corner. Uh so sorry to everyone for that. I know it's a heartbreaking realization. <laughs> uh but coming Oh no Yes, coming next week. And Matt's just realized what he's missing. Uh, next week, we have The Flash 770, which has been surprisingly, you know, promising in, in ways. Yeah. Uh, Nightwing issue 80. It, it wasn't that one. Oh, it's not that one. Uh, yeah. Justice League 61. So, uh, more Bendis Justice League. We get Catwoman 31. Mm-hmm. Another great book that mm-hmm. Matt has to miss. Oh, this is what he's upset about. Wonder Girl issue 1, the first Yara Floor solo book. It's is... my Yara... And you... oh well. Uh... Well, just know that would be my number one because I'm a self-parody at this point. <laughs> uh, oh, all those covers. 
There's a there's a Campbell cover. There's an Evely cover. Oh, right, let me finish the list. Let me finish oh. the list. Uh, we also have Legends of the Dark Knight issue one coming out, um, which is the kind of modern interpretation of the classic book. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have Batman Fortnite Zero Point issue three, if you care. Uh, Superman Red and Blue issue three, Truth and Justice issue four, and uh, Looney Tunes two sixty, if you if that's your bag. Uh, so yeah, I I may try that Legends of the Dark Knight, just given that there is less books next week. It's a quieter. Yeah, it's a, it seems like a hell of a lot less. Yeah, like, you know, I wanted to catch up on Flash. There'd be less pages than there was this week. Uh, yeah. Um, I think Flash is worth. I think you'd like the last issue as well. Yeah, Flash overall. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Let's just don't even my sixth book, and then I'll they'll do a Patreon book next week. So yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, I might change my mind next week when Connor suddenly tells me we have to record on a weird day again. Yeah, but um, we'll see. But there you go. That's what's coming next week from DC Comics. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers. If I can get a hold of myself, I'm, I'm over here. My body's like breaking down because it's like, where's food? I want food. Uh, so, yes, thank you to our Patreon producers. Thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordnow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Not Stanley! Stanley! Stanley. Excelsior! They are all Patreon producers, which is uh, the $20 or more tiers on patreon.com slash TV. You can, of course, support us over there, though, for as little as $1 per month if you want a nice little warm, fuzzy feeling to help keep all the content coming. Uh, the $5 tier in particular, you get early access to the show by a day, so go check it out if you're interested. Uh, you can support us, though, for free by simply hitting like and subscribe and commenting uh, on the YouTube channels. Of course, uh, the full show goes on TV. Uh, the broken up version of the show though which goes out over the next week uh, goes up on the Comics from the Multiverse YouTube channel uh, so go have a look at those as well if you want to uh, you can also rate the podcast on iTunes or whatever uh, podcast app or feed you get your, your podcast from uh, give us five stars and a review on there that helps us out too uh, otherwise catch us on the Twitters at DC Comics Podcast and feel free to uh, share us out on there as well uh, also a big help all these things you know, every little bit does help uh, so yeah uh, that is pretty much the show then. That is 253. And d- d- despite Matt's best efforts, uh, still still a meaty episode. Um, I, I tried. I really did. I'm there was no way. To. There was no way it was going to be a short no. episode. I mean, even without the news. Like, if, if there was news, this would have been yeah. one of the, the three and a half hour well, minutes. I, just, <laughs> I wish I were the Rorschach. I could have been like, all right, Festival of Heroes, I gotta go. But you put it at the end. Yup. You're savvy. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Shoot. So man, if we had Connor too, it'd have been extra long. So good, good thing he would have had to work. <laughs> yeah. Good thing Connor wasn't here. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. That's a that's a that's a t-shirt. Good thing Connor's not here. Uh, yeah. yeah. Conroe. Good thing CR twit. Oh my god. Next week's covers are tough because there's a fission cover that has uh-huh. poison ivy on it. Catwoman. Socially, oh, yeah, socially yeah. distanced from CR twenty one. That's that's the yes. premise of this episode. All right, so thank you once again uh, for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC comics and remember to never get lost in the speed force. Hockey playoffs this weekend too. So go Knights, go. <laughs> <laughs>